Doc Rivers continues to time and time again not get it when it comes to getting. Oh! Let him play. You bet one one bone to win nineteen. I'm where? What site do you use where you can actually bet one buck? <laughs> they let you do fifty cent bets. Oh my goodness, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, literally, like he dropped Superman down like the drain, comes out. Like, God damn it, Superman! <laughs> I don't know, honey. I don't know where he got that from. From Los Angeles, this is Dave in the City. Part of the Dit Cow Sports Network. Now, here's Dave Medina. Good evening, sports fans, and a pleasure to have you here for the big Dit Cow Football Show. Good to have you back, everybody. We missed you. Hope you. How are you doing out there? And uh, what an exciting time of the year to return to to the podcast waves. We have an enormous college football preview for you this evening, and it's part of a two-part series where part two will comprise of our where part one it will be a, well, part one we will break down the big teams, the Power Five, the Alabamas, the Georgias, the USC's, the UCLA's, the Texas's, the Oklahoma's, all the big teams. In part two tomorrow, we'll cover the group of five, the unsung heroes, the the uh, the middle the middle the middle majors, if you will. Teams like Cincinnati, teams like, uh, teams like, teams like, uh, yeah, teams like Boise State, the uh, you know, things, the conferences like the Mountain West, conferences like the MAC. That's tomorrow, but tonight we got the big guns, and we're going to tell you about season storylines. It should be a really fun time tonight. So thank you very much for joining us. We do it every year. Um, glad to have you here. If you're listening to this for the first time, I hope you are. We, you enjoy this massive journey through uh, all the college football landscape, and we're going to have a lot to talk about to start us off. But to do it properly, we would like to introduce our panel once again, and we'll stay with the panel throughout the football season as we do football picks in September, October, and November, and through December. So this always kicks us off. Let's let's take a look at our, our friends. There they all are. Look at Andy in the sunshine tonight. This is great. Look at this. <laughs> um, let's introduce our panel one by one. We're going to start with Ron in New Jersey. Welcome back, my friend. How's it going? What's new with you? Good, Dave. How are you, man? I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. It's doing all right. Yeah, it's hot, but <laughs> not as hot. I'm how, sure. Yeah, I'm sure. It's how hot many everywhere. years is this uh, doing uh, the preview? Oh, that's a great question. I feel like it's been like. Gosh, I don't know. Like we did our first one of these, what, 2014 maybe, 2013? Wow. Yeah. We we got to do something big for the 10 uh, year anniversary. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Uh, we could do do it in. Uh, we'll go through the years, look at our bold predictions and things. <laughs> <laughs> now, you remember when we said that Tebow was going to do this and that, and like, <laughs> pretty funny. We're like, oh, yeah, Tebow, man, he's gonna be like six and seven, and then they win the national championship or something. I, like I wonder what the first year was where we called Tennessee overrated. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. Um, we also bring John back into the program. And as you know, John has got a lot of cool things going. He runs some pools and everything else. Um, but it's 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 been a minute, John. How have you been? How's everything going tonight? Doing well, Dave. Yeah, thanks for having us back on. I can't believe the season is here. I, for one, cannot be uh, more excited. I know we'll get into all the different teams and conferences and whatnot even though the end of the season might not be very dramatic, just the journey getting there and just, you know, 
firing one off a bet on a Friday night Mountain West game. I mean, that's what we, that's what we live for here. So <laughs> yeah. um, good to be back. And yeah, can't believe we've been doing these previews for, for all this time. So yeah, uh, hope everyone enjoys the next couple nights and Arjun. Yeah, I and I love the call. Like a few, like a year, last year when we decided, let's not try to cram this all into one show anymore. Let's break it up into two. It's it's just so much better this way. So it's these should these this series gets back bigger and better as we do it. Andy, welcome in. Welcome. I love your retro Patriots shirt too. How's it going tonight? Thanks. I'm trying to get these things working, but it's not. I guess I need to upgrade my technology. Can you guys hear me? I can hear. Yeah, we can hear you. Yeah. All right. Yeah. yeah I tried to get the, what did he call, Bluetooth. It's, it ain't working. Um, anyway, yeah, it's great to be doing this show. I'm looking forward to talking with you all about college. I've listened to some podcasts more about the non-group of five, because um, you know I I can't listen to ten minutes of Stanford but uh in iowa but anyway yeah i'm looking forward to doing this as ron said we've been doing this for many years tennessee is still watch out for tennessee status and yeah i'm outside because it's a nice day jerry recco can smell it why is it rain? it'll be raining soon enough in about two months but uh there's no big sports on and it's actually hotter inside I don't have AC. You don't have AC, but uh, here we are. Yeah, it's uh, week zero. We're going to be triggering Vtred because he hates the term week zero, but what else are you going to call it, man? Week one's next week, Labor Day weekend. Week yep. zero is in 72 hours. Yep, 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 yep. So um, all in all, I mean, this week zero also seems to be getting bigger and better each year too. So um much as it may annoy some folks that we're going to have some football this weekend, it should be a good, it should be some good content for, as you mentioned, for degenerate purposes. But uh, looking ahead to the season in total, it's going to be a different college football this year, isn't it? Between the coaches going to different places, between teams about to leave a giant conference in UCLA and USC, we talked about that pretty extensively earlier in the summer. And in um, the effects of the NIL, taking place throughout the entire sport i mean you definitely have a different scenario a lot of people using the the um the the transfer portal um it's gonna be wild so let's go to ron first and i did want to talk want to start with the big name coaches going to completely new programs now this this goes all the way back to december when we talked saw some of these moves for example brian kelly going from notre dame to lsu Lincoln Riley was the biggest name, I think, out of this group, they, going from Oklahoma to USC. What a shot in the arm for USC that's going to be. We'll get into that shortly. Um, Mario Cristobal, Brent Venables, and Billy Naper all going to new places. But, uh, Ron, if you look at it in perspective, uh, what, what, what do you see from these new coaches? Who could make a difference, and who do you think is just going to fall flat in their face? Well, you know, I think we've already seen uh, Lincoln Riley make a difference at USC because, I mean, it, it seems like, uh, you know, the past five, ten years, it's just been stagnant there. And, uh, you know, especially with Clay Helton there just going through the motions. Um, and, you know, he instantly goes in there and kicks things up a notch. I mean, they got, you know, I don't even think it's debatable, the, the best quarterback, uh, you know, on the transfer market. And, uh, Caleb Williams uh, got a bunch of other, you know, high-profile guys too that are they're going to make an impact right away. So, uh, you know, I, I think he's definitely making a difference early on. Um, 
I like Brett Venables at Oklahoma. I really do. Um, you know, he reminds me of uh, the the Dave Aranda move to, to Baylor a couple of years ago, and we've seen how that's turned out. Um, you know, it was it was a big hole to to fill at Oklahoma, and I think if they would have uh, you know went the the normal route that they usually like the big teams go in trying to make a splash. Um, I, I don't know how well it would have played, especially with Oklahoma going to the, to USC. Uh, but you know, he seems like he's a, a steady a steady hand, you know, steadying force. Uh, he 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 got in there, and uh, you know, he he lost a bunch of guys to the transfer portal, and uh, and bought in uh, a bunch of kids that uh, should make a difference right away, including uh, Dylan Gabriel uh, from UCF. So uh, I, I think that's a really good spot for him. Um, you know, it, it. You know, it's still to be seen whether Brian Kelly made the right move going to LSU. I mean, uh, you can't argue with the uh, the upgrade in uh, program. I guess moving forward um, with the changing college landscape uh, and and how the emphasis is really being put on the Big Ten and in, in, uh, SEC. So, you know, he went to the SEC. You know, he went to the you know the big time program in LSU and. Uh, you know, we we all have uh, seen the uh, the memes and the jokes about you know how he turned <laughs> into a, a a Cajun overnight. But uh, you know, we'll see how that plays out onto the field because that's a team that uh, you know I think uh, Orgeron like kind of especially after the national championship he let he let things slide and let things go and I think it created a real toxic environment uh, there. And he's got to clean that up. So, uh, it, you know, I, I'm not sure if it's going to be uh, something that can happen overnight. And he's got his hands full. So, uh, you know, his success might be, you know, uh, more long-term than, you know, right off the bat. Um, and uh, Chris Ball to Miami, um, you know, my, I, to me, it feels like, you know, Miami's almost like the new Tennessee. You know, every year, uh, you know, it's it's mm-hmm. the, the U is back. The U is back. Watch out for Miami. And every year, you know, by October, they're losing a game to uh, Virginia or somebody like that. So, can Chris Ball change that? I I don't know. I I don't. I haven't seen enough of him to say that he will. Uh, enough evidence to say that he's a big time coach and is is going to do that. So. Uh, I, I think they're overrated again going into this year, but uh, you know we'll we'll see how that plays out. Um, and uh, I really like the Billy Napier move to uh, uh, to Florida. Um, you know, I, I think he it, it, it's it's about time that he got a, a big time program. Uh, and, and he's again, he's a guy who it might take a year or two before you see the results, but I definitely think uh, he's in the right spot there. And I'll give you one that's kind of under the radar. Um, that I really like. I, I thought uh, um, Jay Norvell going from uh, Nevada to Colorado State is going to turn that program around. I mean, they've been they are a program that has the resources of a Power Five uh, team, a beautiful facility. They they dumped like a ton of money into the football program, and they hired uh, Steve Adazio, uh, which was just you know. I think we're going to look back on that historically and say that was one of the worst coaching hires of all time because, uh, you know, they just didn't do anything. Um, mm-hmm. So, uh, normal, uh, you know, he, he brings the, the air raid offense to Colorado State. I, I think he could turn that around quick and, uh, and, and make a difference there. So, uh, you know, I think he's one of my favorite hires this, uh, this offseason. 
Yeah, that's a good call on that. That's a that's a good that's a good pick. I like that. I like that little that little uh, extra wrinkle there, uh, Ron. Um, can't disagree with much of that. Uh, let's go to John and let's get your thoughts on the on the coaching moves. Yeah, there's certainly a lot of them uh, this off season. You know, uh, Ron touched on it with uh, Lincoln Riley was the biggest mover from Oklahoma to uh, USC, and you know, you know, all the Oklahoma fans are up in arms is usually like a, I don't think they've had a coach like leave them or fired in like a number of years um you know and he takes a lot of players with them it it'll be interesting to see how it plays out I mean he certainly has the charisma you know to recruit out in LA and um now with the move to the Big Ten I mean there's gonna be more resources uh, at his disposal so um you know I think he'll do a pretty good job I and mean, it's gonna be a you have to say a step up in competition uh once they move to the Big Ten um, but that was a, a flashy, flashy kind of hire. And I think, you know, I think he'll do well. And not only did they bring in Caleb Williams, they brought in uh, Jordan Addison from Pitt, who was the Blitnikoff award winner last year, the wide receiver, a um, number of other transfers as well. Uh, so, I mean, that's, that's a, a theme uh, across college football is just transfers. I'm sure that's one thing that we can get into. But, um, yeah, he's going to, uh, you know, he brought in his players, and we'll see how it goes this year. I think long-term it, it'll work out. Um, you know, mentioned Cristobal going to Miami. I don't know about that one. Um, you know, he seemed to have a problem developing quarterbacks. We, we saw it with Justin Herbert. Uh, if you've any guys have been following uh, NFL preseason, Anthony Brown has been just like killing it. And, you know, he was uh, the quarterback there at Oregon uh, uh, under Cristobal. And so maybe you have questions now about Tyler Van Dyke with uh, Cristobal coming in this year. So we'll see. Um, but, it, you know, just in terms of like a fit, like it seems like a good fit, but I don't know if the guy's a good coach. That remains to be seen. Um, Dan Lanning replaces him at, at uh, Oregon, the defensive coordinator from Georgia. I could be wrong, but I don't believe he has any West Coast ties. You guys can correct me if I'm wrong about that. But um, so that's going to be interesting to see if he can kind of recruit the area. But I mean, if, you know, you're, he coordinated the Georgia defense last year, that was just, you know, one of the best that we've seen in a long time, obviously he had just tons of NFL talent. So, I mean, that certainly helps, but um, we'll see uh, if he can get things going at Oregon. I think it's, you know, it's a good move. Uh, but again, just the lack of connections, I think might be the one thing that concerns you. Um, and then of course the, the conference, you know, what's going to be at the PAC 12. I mean, you hear rumors now that Oregon might end up in the big 10. That's kind of an exploratory phase. I think that would, if they, they, if they were left over in the PAC 12, I think that would definitely hurt them um, and, and hand in the program in general, but uh, we'll see where that goes. But I think that's kind of a, I'm kind of neutral on that. So kind of, we'll see how that goes. I, I agree. I think Venables was a good hire um, for Oklahoma. I mean, you know, year after year, Clemson just has fantastic defenses and um, you know, Oklahoma, that's, I guess that's the one knock you could say about Riley is he's just kind of always focused on, you know, offense, offense, offense. I mean, their defenses the last couple of years were pretty poor and you know Venables will he'll he'll, fix, he'll turn that around and uh, bringing in uh, Jeff Levy uh, as the offensive coordinator who has the history with Dylan Gabriel who they brought in so it's all meshing well for Oklahoma um, you know to to get off on the right foot this year uh, so I think that was a good hire you know Clemson was just gutted and they lost their other coordinator Elliott Virginia as well so we'll talk about Clemson when we get to the ACC preview but. Um, so I think those hires were pretty good. Um, people are loving this Sonny Dykes to TCU. I'm not seeing that one. 
personally. I mean, we've we've watched enough SMU to know this guy's going to you know blow a few games here oh, or yeah. there. And I don't know. I, I'm just not a fan of that one. Uh, you know, they'll, they'll score so they'll score a lot of points. I mean, I, I know Gary Patterson might have been like. You know, the, the kids were kind of tuning him out towards the end, but I don't know if if, if Dykes is the answer here at uh, at TCU um, personally. Um, so those are kind of the ones in the major conferences. I'm just kind of looking through the other list here. Yeah, Ron covered the SEC with Napier and Kelly. I mean, I don't know. Brian Kelly is a really good coach. I will say that he's just and you know we'll we'll see what happens. He obviously is going to have a, access to a better. Um, I, I don't say better, but more talent. The pool of talent will be more wider for him to, to try to get some recruits in um, at LSU uh, than he had at Notre Dame. So, you know, all the academic standards and whatnot. So I, I think he'll do okay. Will he win a national title there? I don't know. But I could see, you know, I think he'll get them into the top 10, maybe even the top five. Um, yeah, Napier was a pretty good hire. I mean, he, he certainly paid his dues, and, and Louisiana always had a great team. Um, so we'll see how, how it goes in Florida. I mean, he never really had any, like, big, big games. But I guess that's kind of the one thing that you worry about when you're you're bringing a coach from the Sun Belt to the SEC. But um, the jury's out. He, he did a great job, so you can't you can't knock him. you got to give the guy his chance. And I think Washington did a good job, too. Andy could probably touch on it uh, with Kalen DeBoer. Uh, you know, he was at Fresno and did a tr- tremendous job. And they bring in uh, Penix as a transfer quarterback who was with him at Indiana. So again, like all these coaches, it's just like, you know, they take a new job and they bring in old players and they're just trying to set themselves up for, um, you know, for success. But I think he's going to do much better than Jimmy Lake, who's just a complete disaster. Um, So that's kind of the the rundown of the the power five. I mean, I could mention some group of five names. I think Ron hit it with uh, Norvell. I think that was a really good hire. Also Joe Moorhead at Akron. I mean, I don't know how they got that guy. I mean, he was a coach in the SEC like three years ago. And now he's going to be a head coach at the Mac. I mean, the Mac is like the one conference where, like, you get a coach, you can, you can, the, the talent gap isn't that huge between the teams. And it just takes like a year or two and they could be winning the Mac championship. So that was a great get for just for the Mac. Um, you know, Jeff Tedford comes back to Fresno. That was a pretty good, you know, we'll see if he can keep things going. Um, and Dave, well, I'll just mention, I and mean, we can go through some more of the group of five uh, hires tomorrow night when we go through yep. um, that. But I will say, I think the worst hire of the entire coaching carousel, Clay Helton to Georgia Southern. My <laughs> God, that is going to be a disaster. Yep. I mean, you know, he's going to try to change their option offense to a pro style, and it, it, this is going to be a mess. So they're a team that we're going to look to fade all season, I think. <laughs> you know what's interesting about that? That has already been attempted. There was a previous coach who tried to, to change the offense at Georgia Southern out of the option. And it failed miserably, and they went back to it. So have fun with that, Clay. I, I don't. It already failed like like three or four years ago. So I I just I don't know what he's thinking. But um, Andy, your view is unbelievable. I just mentioned that. But number two, um, anything you want to add as far as the coaches? Yeah. Uh, can you guys hear me? Yeah, yeah we can hear you. Okay, I think nice. I figured it out now. Got your Bluetooth. Thanks, on. Eddie. Thanks, Sal. No. Uh, <laughs> the. Uh... <laughs> I'm surprised none of you guys mentioned Rich Rodriguez taking the Jacksonville State job. No, we'll save that for the – if there was an FCS show, we could talk about that. But, yeah, it'll um, be FBS next year, so we're, yeah. we're ahead of the yeah. – There you <laughs> Good go. Good point. Um, no, th- those guys kind of nailed it. It was like 
I don't think uh, Lincoln Riley's going to like, even though they're the favorites to win the Pac-12. I think having them go ten and two might be a little bit of a stretch. I mean, he did bring Alex Grinch, so that's the other thing that like, usually you get like the package deal. You get the head coach, and then more times than not, the head coach brings his OCs and DCs with him. So as John mentioned with Kalen DeBoer. Uh, I'm pretty sure he brought a bunch of guys from Fresno. So basically the Washington staff is the 2021 Fresno state staff. And then uh, Penix, the Wisconsin transfer, uh, I believe they bore was like the OC of, uh, of Indiana. I'm sorry, of Indiana in 2019. I actually Googled DeBoer a couple nights ago to prepare for this. And I mean, the guy just kills it. He, I mean, granted, like he spent a few years in, for a team uh, coaching in the NIAU, which is like, or NIAAA, whatever it is, but in like in North Dakota, he's like a legend in North Dakota. So I don't know, maybe DeBoer is like this West Coast version of uh, Chip Kelly when Chip Kelly started at New Hampshire all those years ago. And um, I hate University of Washington. I think their fans are arrogant, but I actually have to be fair to them this year. Like they might be a little more watchable, a little more easier to root for. Um, Penix won the job, so I'm guessing like Damon Horde, Brock Horde's son's gonna. I forget if it's Damon Horde or Brock. Horde. I think it's Brock Horde's son. I, he might transfer because he can't handle adversity. But um, and then uh, you guys mentioned the Florida guy. He might need a couple years to get his type of players. I'm not sure if Anthony Richardson fits the system that he worked for at, at Louisiana, but you know time will tell. I'm with you guys on Brian Kelly. It LSU I think Brian Kelly's like a complete piece of shit human being but he's a really good coach and wherever he goes like we know he's a salesman like the Louisiana twang thing like he's gonna do that like if he moved to if he took a coach uh coaching job in Southern California he would hang 10 you know it's that's just <laughs> his thing and um but I actually think LSU will you know they'll they won't miss a beat. It might take a couple of years. The other thing is those unrealistic expectations for the SEC schools, not named uh, Georgia and Alabama now. Like, you know, we saw it with Auburn. Like, Brian Harson was basically like on the hot seat last year. They had, they got involved with his personal life and everything, but he, he survived and he came back. But yeah, I don't know how long some of these leeches will be for, for Florida, for the Florida situation with Napier and the LSU situation with with Brian Kelly. I mean, everything can happen so quickly. Uh, I mean, two years ago, we were singing praises for, um, for the Florida guy, you know, Dan, uh, whatever his last name, Dan Mullen. And then he was basically a laughing stock a year later. So who knows? I will try to, you know, not to get too hipstery about this, but I will mention one um, non coaching uh, head coaching carousel, but I will talk about Mark Whipple for two seconds. So Mark Whipple, former UMass guy, people say he's like this offensive genius. And basically he got all the credit for um, what Pitt was able to do with Pickett last year. So apparently there's all sorts of innuendo in Nebraska that Scott Frost is not even, he's the college head coach, but the AD of another former Husker is basically like the head coach without being the head coach. And this AD for Nebraska basically told told Frost that you're hiring Mark Whipple and Mark Whipple's going to call all the plays for you. So we'll see how that works for Ooh. Nebraska. Cause Scott Frost, I think is on some thin ice. 
And now that he has Mark Whipple, uh, who's wherever he goes, that offense clicks. Even in the NFL, he was like uh, the OC or the quarterback coach for the Steelers a long time ago. So wherever Whipple goes, that offense tends to improve. He doesn't last long at places because he's always kind of he's wanted. He's a wanted man per se. So that'll be something to keep an eye on. But yeah, I think that kind of covers the the coaching movements for the for the big conferences. Andy, you present a great segue because I I was gonna also ask about coaches on the hot seat, and it might not be as big a list as we're used to, but we still have some pretty good candidates. You mentioned a great one with Scott Frost. And it's too bad because, as you mentioned, like, you know, he was the hot ticket. He was like, oh, the perfect hire. He was a Nebraska alum. It, it seemed like a great call. Just didn't work out. Like, I don't think you can kill Nebraska for taking him. But, you know, that's a good candidate. Another one I would pick would be Brian Harson because he just seems like he's rubbing a lot of people the wrong way over in Auburn. And let's go swing it back to Ron. Who are some of the coaches you see that are on the hot seat? Like maybe in addition to these two people. Yeah. I mean, I think um, they're the, the two, you know, main guys that, that come to mind to start. Um, there's not a lot of guys. I don't think that are on the hot seat this year outside of those two. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you could look at uh, Dino Babers in Syracuse. I mean, the, the ADs even said like, if he doesn't start to win games, uh, he's got to make a move. Uh, that that's a team that's just spinning its wheels. It hasn't, you know, improved, uh, you know, it had the one, I think like nine win season under him and the rest, it's been five or six wins every year. So, uh, and I don't see them being that good this year. So, uh, yeah, I mean, he's definitely on the hot seat. Um, uh, and yeah, Herm Edwards in Arizona state is another guy. I mean, it's a miracle that he has a job like right now. Um, I'm surprised that they didn't fire him this off season. I mean, they, uh, they were investigated by the NCAA, uh, a bunch of his assistants left, uh, because of the, you know, shit they were doing. So, um, you know, I, I don't see it ending well there for Herm and, uh, they'll probably be searching for a new coach, uh, next year. But, uh, outside of those guys, I, I, I don't think there's anything, you know, we, we've, you know, we, I think we mentioned like Harbaugh maybe like four or five straight years on this show. Yeah. Um, and he survived. And I think he bought himself, uh, you know, a bunch of years after last year. So uh, I think he's permanently off of that. I'll get, I'll, I'll throw one out there just out of left field. I think if, uh, if Penn State uh, struggles again this year, I think there's going to be some talk of, uh, uh... of Franklin maybe. Uh, Either him getting canned, or he's the type of guy. I think if uh, if a job opens up, maybe maybe the Auburn job or something like that, I would not be surprised to see him uh, throw his name in the ring and, and try to get out of Penn State. I think it's becoming harder and harder for him to uh, to win there, uh, especially with the expansion of the Big Ten. So um, that that's somebody who I would you know keep an eye on. That's an interesting call because I feel like we had speculated about it. I kind of see that too. I do. And I love your point about Harbaugh because it's, I think he's off the, he's off the hot seat, which is a mirror. I mean, I don't want to say a miracle, but it's very remarkable that he weaseled his way off. He had a great year. Got to give it to him. And you know what? Honestly, is there anybody better than him right now for that job? Probably not. So he's probably here to say you got you guys. I, I think, I think we're good to go. So John, uh, anything you want to add as far as coaches on the hot seat? Yeah, you guys hit the top ones. I mean, it's you know, Frost is number one, I would say. And then, you know, Brian Harson almost got canned last year, so he's probably right up there. Um, I would I would say a couple others would be 
Jeff Collins at Georgia Tech, another like two and ten year. He's probably gone. Um, they don't seem to have much hope for this year, so I don't think he's going to survive it. Uh, Tom Allen at Indiana. I know they really did well, like in the 2019 and 2020, but things have really gone downhill since then. Um, I could say he might be on the hot seat. Um, also, you know, and maybe even uh, I would say Norvell at Florida State to kind of throw out maybe a, a one out of left field. I mean, if they they can't keep going six and six every year, um, you know, there's talk of maybe <laughs> bringing Deion Sanders. I don't know. Like that's kind of the rumors that you hear maybe. So those are those are the kind of ones that I would say are on the hot side. Maybe even I mean this would make Andy happy. Maybe David Shaw could uh, finally <laughs> get out of Stanford because it's just the same thing every year now like they the recruiting is dipped <laughs> and they're just not a good team and they're not going to be a good team this year but they still will upset usc dave that's what they do every year they, they lose nine games but they beat usc somehow so that's that's how that's how it happens at stanford but yeah it, it's been pretty bad there for a few years and it's yeah. just i don't see it turning around this year so we'll see i mean maybe the administration doesn't really care you know because he you know the players graduate and they they love him as a coach and it's just you know he's kind of going off nostalgia at this point but i, I could definitely see them um he, or he, maybe he should be on the hot seat i don't know if he is but uh, that's that's a potential change so i think yeah but overall not many like high profile jobs are like on the hot seat. yeah what are the leanest hot seat li- coaches lists we've had in quite some time i would say and as you mentioned i i I don't think Stanford cares enough <laughs> to, to, to can him, to be honest with you. I think they would have done it by now if they really did. So, yeah, the um, first game of their, the year is Stanford versus Colgate. Do you want to guess the over-under of people at that game? 30? <laughs> you, might be, you might have a good guess, Dave. <laughs> Labor Day week against Stanford versus Colgate. I think that will be on the Pac-12 now. I think most of the fans will be rooting for Colgate. <laughs> Oh man, Andy! Anything you want to add? I mean, you had a good one to start start us off. So, uh, anything else you'd like to tack onto there? Uh, I think just because of how volatile the the coaching moves were last season, that naturally kind of makes things a little more smooth this year in terms of stability and and coaches. Kind of, you know, those that avoided the hot seat last year, mm-hmm. you know, now they're safe for like you know 18 months it's kind of like the al east you know fan it's like kind of like the yankees or we you know everything shits on fire for three 30 days in a row whatever now you win two in a row now you know they can sleep at night safely for two for, you know for two games but the first oh for three at ben attendee's gonna you know people be shitting on his car again but uh no to your guys point like um yeah i thought Iowa was gonna maybe fire for rent and I think they someone could look it up. I think they actually like regrouped and now for might be there till he's seventy two at this point. <laughs> like him and David Shaw, like they yeah. both need to go, but I, I think they re up for rent. And Dave, I think you're right. Like I think the there's so much indifference with Stanford. Like yeah. I think he can just kinda rot if he wanted to. Um and then some of the other guys that you guys named, like, um, you know, yeah, I think I, I the preview, the little research I did for Florida State, I guess Norville, like, this is it's sink or swim time for him, and I guess they do have the talent 
for him to kind of survive if they can do it. Another name that I just thought of was uh, Drinkwitz. The, you know, I think he coached at App State and then he took the Missouri job. And you know, it's not like Missouri's ever going to be like yearly, annual nine and three. But uh, you know, I th- I don't think the Missouri alum, if you gave them the acid test, that they they they're getting the results that they kind of wanted when they hired Drinkwitz, you know, so I'm not saying he's like, you know, this high profile guy, but, you know, at some point he's going to have to kind of, you know, get them eight wins or, you know, seven wins, at least seven, five, eight and four, a couple of years of that. But um, no, like, and I think Ron mentioned Herm Edwards, like he was kind of on the hot seat last year because of some of the stuff they were doing behind the scenes, like, having practices when they weren't supposed to, but I I think that kind of goes, that goes every, that that happens everywhere, you know, at universities to a degree, but um, no, like there's so many shakeups last year. I think this year it's, it's a little more calm. Um, Trying to think who the Colorado coaches, cause they're going to, they're going to suck again this year. So maybe that guy's on the hot seat, but that guy probably hasn't been there that long because the guy that coached at Colorado has only been at Michigan state for a couple of years. So, you know, it's damned if you do damned, if you don't like these, there's a lot of impatience with uh, college jobs and unrealistic expectations. Like I think like last year, Sark was on the hot seat clearly was when they lost to Kansas. He definitely was on the hot seat, but now Texas might be back. They have been saying, "Watch out for Texas." I do. I've seen. I've seen this in the media. It's very. But this is. I think this is only year two of Sark because they yeah. fired Herman a couple of years ago. So right. I mean, that would have been real knee jerk if they got rid of Sark after one year. Like even. Right. Even right. fantasy land that doesn't happen. Yeah. The coach of the Colorado Buffaloes for the moment is Carl Durrell, formerly from the oh, yeah. Field. <laughs> yeah. A tough scene there for Colorado. They are exactly. absolutely brutal. Yeah. brutal. Not a I will, fun I will to just watch. say my, my first pick of the year is going to be TCU laying the points against <laughs> Colorado that first that first week because that's going to be in, in. I don't even like Sonny Dykes, like I said, and they're still going to just crush Colorado. <laughs> You're not wrong, John. You're not wrong. So that's great. Thank you very much for running down all the coaches, everybody. Uh, and then Mel Tucker at Michigan State. I can't wait to get to that preview. I want to see what you all think of, the, of of their their program. People are saying, well, they're kind of on the rise. And I don't know if I agree with that. We'll see. But let's first start with independence. And the independence this year, Notre Dame, Army, BYU, Liberty, New Mexico State, UConn, and UMass. And let's not waste any time. Marcus Freeman is a new coach at Notre Dame. A lot of hype there. A lot of optimism at Notre Dame for good reason. I'm curious as to what they're going to do. They seem to be recruiting pretty well. Um, Ron, I'm going to give it to you. Let's talk about the independence. What do you see from all these teams? Are we starting with Notre Dame? So we, Absolutely. Uh, Let's start, me, I would uh, love to start with Notre Dame. Yes. <laughs> no need to spend lots of time on the other teams, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty much a Notre Dame preview, my friend. So let's, let's get right yeah. to it. No, you know, um, I'm I'm really rooting for Marcus Freeman because he, he seems like a, a, a fun hire. Um, you know, definitely a young guy who's, who's invested in the program. Um, you know, I think uh, the year before he had a chance to go to Cincinnati or something like that, or he, he had a chance to take another job, and he stayed at, at Notre Dame. Uh, and, and so, you know, he has uh, 
uh, commitment to the program. But I, I like that he kept uh, Tommy Reese as the, the offensive coordinator. Um, like you said, Dave, I mean, right now for 2023, uh, you know, I believe they're top 10 in recruiting, maybe even top five. Um, so, you know, he's, he's, you know, you think of Notre Dame head coaches and you think of like those old stoic, uh, you know, uh, seasoned coaches like, you know, Brian Kelly and, um, and, uh, oh, who was, uh, uh, Whittingham and, uh, and, uh, who was the fat guy from the Patriots? Uh, you know, just be, oh, just, know, know, one guy. yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, Damn. God, I can't remember his name. Charlie Weiss. <laughs> we Charlie Weiss. Yeah. Charlie Weiss. There you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, just like this, you know, this old curmudgeons, these old curmudgeons. That's that's what I picture Notre Dame, uh, you know, as, as their coaches the past 20 years. Uh, so this guy's like a breath of fresh air. I, I really hope he succeeds. Um, you know, I, I was hoping that, uh, you know, with everything going on in the college football landscape, that Notre Dame would kind of get pushed towards uh, – a conference uh you know i know the big 10 is waiting for them doesn't seem like that's going to happen um anytime soon I, I i think they're they're trying to keep their independence i don't know how that's going to play in the uh, the grand scheme of things but you know for now uh you know notre dame I, I think you know they have an opportunity this year to uh you know meet the bar of where kelly had them which is 10 or 11 wins uh, maybe an outside shot at the playoffs but it all depends on the their quarterback play. Um, you know, they're starting Tyler Buckner this year, who, uh, you know, isn't – and this is rare uh, in the college football world nowadays. Like, uh, you know, they graduated Jack Cohn, and they're actually starting uh, Buckner, who was uh, a, a freshman last year. Uh, he's going to be a sophomore this year. It seems like every other team goes out to the transfer portal and tries to bring in a, a veteran to, you know, their replace their, their outgoing guy. So – I, I like that move uh, on Notre Dame's part. I just don't know how well um, he's going to do. And, you know, if he's great, I, I think Notre Dame has a, you know, an outside shot at, uh, you know, making the, the, the college playoff or at least being in this in the discussion uh, come November and December. Uh, if he's good, they're, they're probably going to drop a, a game or two or three. And, uh, you know, they're still going to be in a New Year's Six Bowl. Uh, they still have a lot of talent on the team. Um, but, you know, I, I think it, it all depends on his level of play on whether they are, you know, the good to great. And, and of course, they, they start the season at Ohio State, which, uh, you know, is, is, you know, probably one of the toughest places to play against one of the toughest teams, uh, probably one of the two or three best teams in the country. So uh, not ideal to be starting your coaching career uh, at Ohio State and with the a sophomore first time starting quarterback um but you know the rest of the year is like an acc schedule um you know so they, they could lose that game and win out and and still make the playoffs or at least be in the discussion i think that's uh, the best case scenario this year and i think the worst case scenario is they probably drop uh you know three or four games and uh still are in the mix for a new year's six bowl love it yeah, and 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 just and just to illustrate just the the power of Notre Dame, I really do think there's some real potential for them to make the playoff. If everything bounces the right way, they can do it. But like you said, it's going to depend on quarterback play. So, John, let's talk about independence. Obviously, much of the focus of this particular segment will be on Notre Dame. But what is your thought on all these teams? Yeah, we'll we'll start with the good teams first. Um, yeah, the the Irish. I mean, I, I like Freeman too. 
I mean, he did a, tr a tremendous job at Cincinnati and that led for, for Kelly to bring him over uh, last year as defensive coordinator. And now he takes over the players seem to absolutely love him. Um, you know, it remains to be seen about his in-game uh, coaching abilities. The one game he coached was that Oklahoma state bowl game where I think they were up what, like 21 to nothing or 21 to three in the first quarter. And they ended up losing that game. Um, you know, would Brian Kelly have lost that? I don't know. Uh, but it remains to be seen. He certainly is a, a good defensive mind from what we've seen. He can certainly recruit. Uh, the coaching is the one thing, like the in-game coaching decisions is, is what we have to kind of keep our eye on. Um, but, yeah, they're, they're really talented. Um, Buckner, we'll see what he can do this year. Um, and their schedule is manageable. Like Ron said, that they're, I made a note that there are only four games that they really are in danger of possibly losing. Obviously, at Ohio State, it's probably going to be a loss. Uh, so we'll just chalk that one up. But other than that, um, they played BYU. Uh, they played Clemson. Uh, but both of those games, I think BYU is a neutral site game. I believe that's in Las Vegas. Um, but they play Clemson at home and they play at USC. So that's it. If they lost all those games, it's four losses. But I don't think they're going to lose all those. So, yeah, and you know, a nine and three or ten and two year is going to be, um, you know, it'll be fine to, to start off with and be in the mix for a New Year's Six Bowl. Uh, their tight end, uh, Michael Mayer, is probably one of the better tight ends in the country. I would, I would put him and the guy from Georgia, Bowers. I think those are your top two tight ends at the moment. Um, so they got some playmakers, and they have four starters back on the offensive line. So I think they'll be okay. Um, I just, you know about Freeman, we'll see what he can do, you know, in, in game situations. Uh, that's the one thing that you're, you're kind of worried about because it's like, he's like a rookie head coach basically. Uh, and kind of still learning on the job, but everything else I'm, I'm, I'm a fan of and we'll see. So I, I, I see, like I said, like nine and three, it's probably like there's their floor uh, for this season. So, and we'll see where that brings them in terms of, you know, a bowl game and whatnot. As for the other independents, um, the other team, the other team that is kind of like, like the highest marquee team, I guess you could say, is BYU. Um, and they have a lot of returning starters. Uh, Jaron Hall returns at quarterback. They have a bunch of returning starters on, on offense. Defense has like 10 returning starters. Uh, I did not – I was not a fan of when they promoted uh, Sataki to co head coach, but he's done a really good job um, since he's, he's taken over. And, you know, it's going to be a good transition for them to go into the Big 12 next year. But they have a brutal schedule. If they were to somehow win, like go undefeated, like they'll be in the college football playoff because they play Baylor, they play at Oregon, they play Notre Dame, as I mentioned. They play <laughs> Arkansas at Boise State. Um, and then I put at Stanford as another game. But I guess, you know, we're just shitting on David Shaw, so they probably should be able to win that game. But overall, just a really a brutal schedule. But they're a good team. Um, and, you know, I've also – me and Andy were texting about this, but the week one game at South Florida could be kind of trappy because it's like you're, they're playing in a hundred degree heat in Tampa and it's just humidity. And like these kids aren't maybe used to that coming from, from Provo. So if they can get by that game. I think, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens, but just a brutal schedule, um, but they're a pretty talented team. I would say they'll probably end up winning maybe eight games, nine games, but that's a really good season for them. And it'll set up, set them up well as they go into the big 12. As for the rest of the teams, not much to say here. Um, you know, Army is going to run their option and, you know, it's going to be Army and Navy at the end of the year. That's really all you need to know about them. Um, Liberty, uh, Hugh Freeze is still there. They bring in Charlie Brewer to be a transfer quarterback who was at Baylor, then Utah, then quit the team at Utah and is now at Liberty. I don't know if I'm a fan of that move, but we'll, we'll see how that goes. Uh, obviously, losing Malik Willis is going to be a big, uh, a big hit to them, but um, we'll see. And then the, the other three independents all bring in new coaches. 
So you have uh, UMass bringing in uh, Don Brown, which will be interesting to oh see. My um, New Mexico State brings in Jerry Kill. I actually think that was a really good hire for them. You know, he obviously had some health issues with epilepsy and whatnot. And he couldn't coach. He's back in at New Mexico State, and I think they need a, a veteran coach like that to kind of stabilize their program. Uh-huh. And then certainly not last but not least, uh, Jim Mora comes in at UConn uh, for my beloved Huskies. And I actually think I wasn't a fan of it at first, but he's done a really good job in the transfer portal. They brought in a number of power five guys to like kind of plug holes on the defense. Um, they brought in a, a Penn State transfer a quarterback, a Robertson. He, I think he got some playing time last year. So I'm not saying they're going to be good, but I think they'll be much more competitive and like better, obviously more well coached than what they were under Randy Edsel. My God, it couldn't get any worse. So, um, some, yeah, some interesting independence this year. I, I would say keep an eye on. Uh, these teams with these new coaches, and then obviously BYU and uh, and Notre Dame are the ones you really want to watch out for. But yeah, some good gambling opportunities with these. Yeah, one hundred percent. All right, Andy, let's get your take on all the independents. Yeah, I love the Don Brown hire. This is actually will be his second stint at UMass. Uh, I'm being facetious. It is actually his second stint at UMass, but um, wherever he go, I mean, he's known as a defensive guru. Um, I will, I'll, I will make a wager on UMass UConn whenever that game is. I'll have to have to bet on that. Don Brown, Jim Mora. Hey, John, did Jim Mora settle on a QB? Is it going to be Hugh Millen's kid or? <laughs> he hasn't announced it. So it, like the depth chart came out, and it's like before guys are listed or 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 or. So I guess he's trying to play coy with Utah State. So who the heck? Oh, very nice. I think it's going to be the Pens. Yeah, I think it's going to be the Penn State kid. Gotcha. Yeah, so yeah, for some of the other independents, yeah, John mentioned – I actually – I wrote down that BYU schedule too. It's it's funny. It's like the other schools that scheduled BYU using, you know, like the porn star fluffing it up. Like, let's get BYU on the schedule. Win-win. Um, so, yeah, we'll, we'll see how BYU does. You know, BYU is always like – the team that's on ESPN on a Saturday night and perfectly to form their preseason ranked 25th in the country. So we'll see. And yeah, to, to elaborate on the point about South Florida, like, yeah. I lo- so last year when the game was in Provo, South Florida covered kind of in a backdoor fashion, they scored a bunch of points late in the fourth quarter. And then in 2019, even though what does 2019 have to do with 2022, not much, but the game was was in South Florida and uh, South Florida covered there. So two games in a row where the the Bulls have covered against BYU, and I'll blindly bet the the Bulls again in the humidity of South Florida. And then um, just to talk about Notre Dame real quick, yeah, like like those other guys said, and like we all know, uh, they're always going to be a perennial uh, candidate for a playoff spot. Whether or not their talent is worthy of it, they're just going to be in the discussion, the brand, the history, guys like ACQ making a case for them at eight and four. It's always fun to connect all those dots. But uh, so they're 16 point underdogs against Ohio State. Like, no matter what happens, it doesn't, it's not going to hurt them. Like, in fact, like, it's going to be good in the long run. Like, yeah. You lose to Ohio State, everyone's going to lose to Ohio State. And uh, Dave, as you mentioned, their schedule, like 
if they can take care of business, they have a lot of cream puffs, and if they can take care of business, now it's all contingent on uh, at the end of the year they play Clemson and USC. And you know, Clemson right now I, I'm guessing is preseason ranked number four. I don't know if they're a real number four team, but um, so depending on what Clemson does between now and the middle of November, and depend depending on what USC does between now in the middle of November, like it sets up well for Notre Dame to make a case for them to be a, a playoff team. If they assume they lose to Ohio state and then if they just take care of business against the likes of North Carolina, and I think they play UNLV and they play BYU, uh, if they can take care of all those games when it comes to the middle of November, they'll have, there'll be room for them in the discussion for a playoff. Whether you like it or not, and I don't like it, but you know, <laughs> it's a. I, I I'm not gonna fight it. It's. I'll I like to I'll, I'll maybe bet against them when they're playing USC or or Clemson, but uh, Clemson Notre Dame is like oh someone has to win that game. That's awful. <laughs> well, we kind of saw that. I think we saw that last year, didn't we? Didn't they play each other? And it was it was a very ugly game. I gotta say. Um. So good call on that, Andy. Um, looking ahead, I mean, you're talking about a lot of interesting scenarios for Notre Dame. It's definitely a really good spot. It's a good spot. Like you said, with an Ohio State game like that, if they lose, it's fine. You're like, well, they played this tough team. They they held their own. If they beat them, like, oh, that's great. They beat this Ohio State team. And much like Oregon did like it last year, they really beat Ohio State. Got a lot of street crit from that. And they somehow found a way to squander it away. We'll, we'll see what happens with Notre Dame if they do come up a win and still find a way to screw up the season. We'll see. Let's go ahead and uh, get to the ACC now. Um, so here's what I wanted to say about Clemson. I just don't think... Now listen, Venables is obviously an institution. Now he's in uh, Oklahoma. I feel like they're going to hurt from that. The other thing about Clemson is that DJ Ugo on the leg lay, I, I just was not. I just was not big on him. Could he rebound this year? Yeah, sure. I'm just not I just not feeling it. I feel like Clemson could be the single most overrated team in that conference this year. So that's all I'm gonna say about that. Um I'm gonna go to Ron. There are a lot of teams to talk about here. NC State had a really good, you know, feel good story. Yeah, everything is great. Miami, like you said, maybe they're the new Tennessee over there. Um Florida State could be good. They've actually been talking them up surprisingly. Pitt's going to be interesting without Pickett. I'm not sure how good they can be. And North Carolina, same thing without Sam Howell. I'm not even sure if they'll even be a good team, especially you know who's coaching them. So, uh, you know, let's get your thoughts on the ACC, Ron. Yeah, you know, I mean, it all comes down to Clemson. Um, you know, like it has, you know, for the past 10, 15 years. Um, I mean, you look at last year uh, and, you know, they, they – were just killed by injuries, decimated by injuries. I think like they lost like their three best players on defense, you know, early in the season. And then you had, uh, uh, Ayuga just was awful. I mean, we saw him the year before just, you know, dominate against Notre Dame and, and whenever he, you know, he subbed in for Trevor Lawrence and then last year he couldn't complete a pass. Um, you know, they, they lost a lot of skill players from the year before. And, you know, they just – they didn't seem to know what the hell to do on offense uh, for the first half of the season. Um, but, you know, they still ended up with 10 wins. Uh, and, 
you know, I, I, I do think that that says a lot about the future of the, the program and, and where, they're, where they're at this year. Um, you know, losing both coordinators is huge. Yeah. Uh, yep. You know, Tony Elliott and Brett Venables, uh, you know, were lifers there. So losing those two guys, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a huge impact. Um, I believe uh, uh, that they promoted from within for the two coordinator positions. So maybe – you know, that, that continuity will, will, will help the process. But uh, you look at their schedule and, I mean, it's there's, there's nothing on there that scares you, uh, you know, outside of Notre Dame. Um, you know, so you figure if they play the way that they played the decade before last year, uh, they're probably going to be in the mix for, um, you know, the playoff. I mean, you would have to think that. But again, it all comes down to how good uh, their quarterback play is. And I know that's like a, a cliche and a cheap way out of it. But, um, you know, I think if, if Ayugalele struggles to start the season, uh, you're going to see um, Sweeney go to uh, Kate Klubnik, the true freshman quarterback, who's supposedly like an all-world all quarterback, you know, is, is, has the talent of Trevor Lawrence. Um, so if, if this guy gets off to as bad of a start as he did last year, uh, you know, I, I, I think you're going to see a quarterback change there and, and, you know, it, it's probably going to be for the best for Clemson, but, uh, you know, it remains to be seen, uh, but they have the talent they have, you know, you know, first round talent at multiple positions on defense. Uh, you know, Will Shipley, the, the freshman running back last year was a, was a revelation down the stretch. So as if they get steady quarterback play, if if their quarterback play is just even average, I think they're they run away with the ACC, and they are in the mix for the uh, playoffs. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Outside of that, uh, like I said, I, I think Miami's overrated, and I, I know uh, Tyler Van Dyke is uh, you know had a great year last year. Um, I, I just don't. I just don't see it there. I, I think, you know, they, it, it almost seems to me like the, the kids in the Miami program and the coaches, uh, they believe their own hype. Uh, and the minute that they, they get punched in the nose by somebody on like, a, you know, uh, an October Saturday, uh, the, the minute like a, an NC state or Virginia goes in there and punches them in the nose, they fold that that's been their MO for like the past five, six years. So, uh, you know, I think they will be decent. Um, they'll, they'll be a bowl team. I don't think they're making a run on a national championship or the ACC championship. Uh, you mentioned NC state, Dave, um, they lost at the, you know, the left tackle that was the top five or you know, top seven pick last year in the draft, but they returned Devin Leary, who was really good at quarterback. Uh, they have a lot of talent there and, uh, looking at their schedule, I think they play like a cream puff schedule. Um, yeah, so they play Cle they play at Clemson in October, uh, but outside of that, their away games are East Carolina, Syracuse, um, and Louisville and North Carolina to end the season. So uh, I mean, all winnable games. I think they have a real shot to you know be that second team in, in the ACC, um, just based off of their schedule, and they have so much you know coming back. And I think Devin Leary is going to be. You know, you're going to talk about him uh, as one of the top quarterbacks uh, in the country this year, if all things break right. Um, another team that, uh, that I like and I think 
you know, can make a run at things is Virginia. They have Brennan Armstrong, who's, uh, you know, seems like he's been the quarterback there for like, uh, you know, a decade now. But I mean, he's, he's a kid who puts up huge numbers every year. Uh, you know, that Bronco Mendenhall um, quitting, uh, I, I thought, at least for me, it was really surprising because I thought, uh, you know, he was building something good there. Um, but I think they did really well in bringing in Tony Elliott, the, uh, the OC from Clemson. Uh, they're another team. If, you know, he tailors that, that team uh, to Brennan Armstrong's strength. Uh, I, I think they have, he, he just, he alone can, uh, you know, keep uh, Virginia above uh, the other teams in the ACC to be in there in the mix for that, maybe that second spot in the conference. Um, and then after that, I, I think you got a lot of teams that are, you know, probably going to go, but, and this is the same probably for every conference. We're going to talk about this, but there's a lot of teams there that, uh, are going to finish between five and seven and seven and five. And, you know, those are the uh, Florida States of the world, uh, Boston College, North Carolina, uh, Virginia Tech, who, you know, we haven't talked about with the coaching um, hires. They brought in a guy from Penn State who I'd never heard of. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so it remains to be seen, like, how uh, they respond. But they needed a, a change from Justin Fuentes. Um but you just, you know, the rest, the bulk of that conference uh, is in that five to seven and seven and five mix. Um, and I, I guess the team that I really liked, you know, two weeks ago to maybe be like uh, push Clemson, maybe for the ACC championship, was Wake Forest. I think they have a ton of talent coming back. And they had uh, Sam Hartman, who was just phenomenal last year, a quarterback. Uh, and he is out indefinitely with. Uh, some sort of illness that they haven't, um, at least I haven't heard that they've elaborated uh, on it, but he's out. So I think it's a tough spot for for them. And, uh, you know, riding with a backup quarterback, I, I, I think their expectations go from maybe top of the conference to, you know, one of those five to seven and seven and five teams. But that's the way I see the ACC. I, I think Clemson has the talent and the schedule to – run away with it it all depends on how good the uh the quarterback play is and if sweeney doesn't get that quarterback play to start the year he's got to make that change to the uh to the true freshman and you know i think they did that in in, in the trevor lawrence year uh if i remember correctly um yeah I, I can't remember the kid's name who they had starting in front of him but uh you know they eventually he put in trevor lawrence and they went on and run to the national championship so uh, you know, I, I, I really do think that uh, we might be seeing the same thing this year if uh, Lele struggles early. The name I'm thinking of is Cole Stout. I'm not sure that that's the guy, but <clears throat> definitely I remember that. I can't, yeah, I, I can't remember what the kid's name was. I know yeah. he transferred somewhere. I think it was uh, uh, Brian Kelly. He went to Missouri yes. after that. Yep. Ah, yep. nice. There you go. Thank you, John. All right, John, let's swing it to you. What do you think of the ACC this year? Yeah, uh, Ron has nailed it. Um, it it's kind of like Clemson always has these scenarios. It was like Stout was in there, and he, he was like, you know, average. And they were like, oh, man, let's put this kid Deshaun Watson in, and they took off. Same thing with Kelly Bryant. And then you go to Trevor Lawrence. Now, it could be the same situation here with uh, DJ. I'm not going to even try to pronounce his last name. Uh, going to um, this Klubinik kid. So we'll, we'll see about that. But, yeah. Huge question marks in terms of the coordinators with with uh, Clemson. You know, losing two guys that have been there for so long uh, with with Dabo, with um, Venables and Elliott. Um, you got to wonder 
you know, that's obviously going to have an effect. I know they promote it from within, but to not have those voices there uh, in your program, um, it's going to, it's going to be huge. Plus uh, Dabo does not, he really doesn't use the transfer portal at all, which I think in these days, this day and age is definitely um, a detriment uh, to your program because everyone else is using it. Um, even Alabama is using it. We'll get to them, but the running back that Alabama added Georgia tech, like he could be like a legit, Heisman Trophy contender. Like, you put your long shot bet on that guy right now. But my point is, like, Davos Sweeney's not going out there to get a Jameer Gibbs from Georgia Tech. Like, they're going to recruit and develop and, and all that. But um, I don't know if that's kind of the what you want to do in this day and age in college football where every, all the other top teams are using transfers. Um, but anyway, you know, as far as this year's team, yeah, it's going to come out of the quarterback play. You know, the, the defense is absolutely loaded. We know that even with the some of the losses that they they had, um, they're going to be they're going to be fine, I think, in the end. But yeah, uh, we'll see if if DJ can come through and if if Sweeney makes that switch if he struggles to start the year. Um, you know, these other teams here, I would really like to pick NC State to beat Clemson in Clemson because they they did beat them last year in Raleigh. Yep. But it's just it's just hard to trust NC State. Like they're they're the perennial team that like they're so close so close and then when it, it comes to like the big spot when they have to beat like the top team in the division they just shit the bed um but you know ron's right they, they bring back leary they bring back their best two receivers and four out of their uh, five offensive linemen obviously they need to replace that left tackle um but and they they had a great defense last year and they brought back almost every starter from their defense so they're going to be a really good team but do you trust them to win at Clemson in that October date? If they do, they're going to go to the ACC championship game because there's nobody else's that's, they're not going to have two losses. I mean, they could lose one more game, but they would still have the tiebreaker of Clemson. Do you trust them to win that game at Clemson? Um, uh, time will tell on that. Um, yeah. Wake would have been up there, but we'll see what happens with uh, Sam Hartman. Uh, hopefully he's okay and he can get back soon, but yeah, their offense would have been really explosive. I mean, it was explosive as it was last year. I mean, A.T. Perry is one of the, uh, better uh, wide receivers in the country. I don't know anything about their backup quarterback, so I guess we'll, we'll find out once they end up um, when, they, when they take the field. But, yeah, just a devastating blow to their season. Um, yeah, uh, the other teams in the division, I mean, Louisville and, and uh, Boston College, they're your, your middling kind of teams. Uh, Louisville has Malik Cunningham returning uh, and, uh, you know, their top three running backs, but their defense is just horrendous. So there are going to be a lot of shootouts. Um, Louisville, um, Boston College has Jerkovic coming back. So he's like a pro prospect at quarterback, but I don't really see much else going on with their team. I know they have, um, I think half is a good coach for, for Boston College, but I don't know. I'm just not really feeling it with them. Um, again, they're kind of like a, kind of like how they were under Adazio. Like they're just like a six, six, seven, five team. I don't really see much movement um, out of them. And then Syracuse is just going to, I think they're going to be horrible. Um, you know, Babers was, he came from Baylor. So they're running like that, uh, you know, Art Bryles kind of like deep pass offense. And now they're running like they, they can't throw Garrett Schrader is their quarterback. And like, they're running like an, an option offense, basically. I mean, they do have a really good running back. Sean Tucker was one of the first team all American last year, so they can definitely run the ball, but I don't know. I, I'm just not feeling it with Syracuse. They could be in the market for a new coach next year. So it's like a quick rundown of the um, coastal Atlantic. I think it's the Atlantic. Yeah, the Atlantic. Um, because then in the coastal, it's your usual shit show. We kind of already talked about Miami mm-hmm. with uh, Cristobal coming in and Tyler Van Dyke. 
they, they have talent, but again, I'm, I'm just not a fan of, of Cristobal. And until they, they proves it to me, I, I'm, I'm going to go elsewhere for this this pick in the in the Coastal Division. Um, not a fan, obviously, of North Carolina. We've seen Mac Brown and, and what he can do. That bowl game against South Carolina was one of the biggest disgraces I think I've ever seen. Like <laughs> just penalties and turnovers yep. and just it's brutal. Like they were like top ten to start the year. They finished losing in the mail bowl to South Carolina. I mean, it doesn't it doesn't get much worse than that. Um, and obviously, uh, Howell parts the NFL. It, I think it's going to be a tough year for them. Um, you know, we mentioned Virginia. Uh, Ron mentioned Virginia. Yeah, I their defense is good enough uh, to kind of contend, but they're going to be a fun team to watch. Uh, yeah, uh, Brent Pry comes in uh, at Vod Tech, and they have an interesting uh, QB transfer from Marshall, Grant Wells. If you remember him, he like started off so hot with Marshall two years ago, and then it just really went downhill for him towards the end of the season. We'll see if maybe a change in scenery can kind of – um, you know, uh, go, but, uh, it's, uh, we'll see if, we'll see if that happens. It was a struggle for him kind of down the stretch at Marshall. Um, I actually do like Pitt because we talked about Whipple leaving for Nebraska, but I, I don't think Narduzzi likes Whipple anyway. Like he wants to run the ball and, and their defense is going to be good. So instead of like getting into a shootout, it's going to be like more defensive games. Um, they do lose Jordan Addison. But I think uh, uh, Keaton Slovis comes in. Dave, you're familiar with him at USC. I oh, think yeah. he's a good addition. I think so too. And I think Pitt is good enough. I think they, I think they can still win this division again, even without Pickett and Whipple. I think they're they're good enough. Um, and the other two teams in the division are just absolutely brutal. I already talked about Georgia Tech lost their best player via transfer to Alabama. They're still trying to transition away from the option offense from Paul Johnson it's like three years now and Collins is just, he just hasn't done a good job and, and they're going to be, they're going to be uh, a terrible team and Duke might even be worse. I mean, they completely quit at the end of last season, offense and defense. Um, their coach is Mike Elko. I had to look up to where he came from. I think he came from Wake Forest. I think he was like a defensive coordinator there, or maybe Texas A&M. He's got connections to some of those schools, but they're going to be terrible. Um, so that's all you need to know about them. I think they, they might win like two games. They play Temple and Kansas, and and North Carolina A and T maybe three wins, but they're not going to win a conference game. So yeah. I guess that's kind of the the brief rundown of, of what's happened in the ACC. I would say Pitt and uh, Clemson is probably my championship game. Here. I'm gonna give you my predictions too. Um, I'm gonna be a little more bold than most. I'm actually gonna take NC State. You're right. You everything you both said about NC State not trusting him in a big spot is very fair. However, I just don't – I'm not buying Clemson. So I'm going to take NC State and Miami to win their respective divisions. And Miami's a little – I'm kind of – I'm going to probably go through half the year and I'm going to regret it because <laughs> I think you guys are right. I think Miami's overrated, but I'm just like, well, who's going to beat them? That's kind of what I go back to. Like, who's going to beat them in this division? So um, really quickly, Ron, really, really quickly, what are your predictions for the two divisions in the ACC? Since we're here, I'll say Clemson and Virginia, okay. uh, and Clemson winning it outright. Okay, solid picks, solid picks. I'm down with that. I mean, look, like I said, I, I think if Clemson does get good quarterback play, if they do get someone to usurp Diungalala uh, Weiwei, and uh, he ends up being great, then absolutely, I think Clemson's going to be a player. So, um, 
Oh, Ken. So, uh, by the way, Andy, I wanted to just uh, salute our friend Kevin on the Cape who's on with us tonight in the chat who says, Andy must not be home. It's not raining. <laughs> Kevin knows what Fox all about. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Um, Elko A&M Notre Dame Wake. Oh, that's right. I remember the name. Jersey guy, too. Says Kevin. Jer- I love that. Um, the reason why he's so familiar with these things is that he's starting to run a coaching carousel website, folks. So stay tuned for that. Follow our friend Kevin. Um, but Andy, let's anything you want to add as far as the ACC? Yeah, I took some notes. I got more more pictures of Mike's face on my notes, but because that, that's what happens when you're trying to do research <laughs> on this conference. But uh, so. Yeah, I'm not even going to waste anyone's time with Clemson because you guys already talked about it. It's Clemson's conference to lose. Yeah, the quarterback, DJ Uga Booga, Lang to lose for this year. It's, I would guess Lang, because last year he looked a little bigger. Like, I think he was like out of shape and just not, he just didn't look like he did in 2020. So we'll, we'll see what happens. But, uh, like I said, I did take some notes here and, what I gather is, uh, yeah, UVA, they, every game is like 42 to 35. Like there's no defense, but as John mentioned, they're fun to watch. Brennan Armstrong, fun to watch. I don't think he'll miss a beat without uh, the old BYU coach, Bronco Mendenhall, who's gone. I think UVA will be fun, but, you know, their defense is, is obviously a liability. I wrote ZZZ next to Virginia Tech. So I think uh, maybe last week I thought they might be my sleeper in that division because of Grant Wells from Marshall. Um, So we'll see what happens with them. Um, To elaborate or piggyback on John's point with uh, Pitt and Narduzzi. Yeah, I think it was so weird last year to see like Narduzzi in this basically high upbeat offense, but Narduzzi, uh, his natural habitat is plotting and with, I think with Slovis, he's just going to hand off first down and second down and third down. But as John mentioned, I think they might thrive in that climate and Narduzzi might, they might have the slowest, they might be the slowest team in, in the conference, meaning like they'll run the fewest plays in, in 60 minutes and just try to chew up game clock and, you know, which will be a big departure from the, you know, the picket days of last year. Um, the other thing that I, that I read, and this might, this is probably like something that agency and the guys that know the draft inside and out come springtime. Um, so apparently the NFL scouts are drooling over a lot of the ACC quarterbacks like Hartman for one. And I guess Hartman is eventually going to come by, you know, he'll eventually come and play this year, no matter, you know, depending on what his injury actually is. But so I'm guessing Hartman will play at some point. So Hartman was one of them, obviously the Clemson quarterback, uh, Devin Leary is supposedly getting NFL looky lookies. And even the Notre Dame quarterback Jerkovic is supposedly has an NFL type body. I just can't get wrapped up in BC. Um, I guess their OC is a former Rutgers offensive coordinator. So I, whether that's good or not, we'll, we'll find out. But actually like with me and you dub and me and BC, I'll have to be a little more objective. I actually think BC will be, I mean, they, they still go to a bowl game every year. Like, they're just not a very fun team to watch every Saturday. But maybe this year they'll be a little more uh, presentable with this Jerkovic and QB. Um, what else did I write? I wrote um, 
Yeah, FSU LSU week one. I mean, that's going to be a crazy game. Very unpre- No one really knows what LSU has, and no one really knows what FSU has. Yep. But uh, I'll probably take whoever's getting points in that one. And then um, I wrote one more thing. I mean, yeah, Clemson. Yeah, new OC, new DC, um, UNC. As you guys talked about, Mac Brown and no quarterback. I guess it's either going to be Jacoby Briswell or Drake May. Um, and then, yeah, Louisville, I, Cunningham and Satterfield, blah, blah, blah. Uh, Cuse, yeah, got, Dino might be on that hot seat. They always have a weird game in the Carrier Dome that kind of saves his ass. Like, they had that weird game against Clemson. That, Clemson had no business, like, even letting Syracuse hang around. But, yeah, so Cuse will, might be pesky at home. And then, um, yeah, we'll see what Cristobal does year one with Miami he took away the uh turnover chain so maybe he's trying to you know instill a different type of climate over there um yeah the the jury's out on Miami it's you know Miami Florida State that yeah they've had four straight losing seasons Florida State and the other thing about Norwell I'll just talk about Norwell real quick is uh he's even when he was at his peak in Memphis like Memphis has had some games where they just completely take the air out of their own ball in the second half. And uh, so that's what you worry about. Even when Norvell is like at his best, like, you know, Florida state has these like blunders in the second half. He's also Owen three in bowl games. So uh, that's something to keep in mind. The Whenever Florida state goes to a bowl with Mike Norwell, keep that little stat in mind. But uh, yeah, that that's about it. ACC Clemson's conference to lose. And there'll always be some random team in the other division, you know, uh, because of Clemson always being able to be in the playoff and because of that conference's tie-in with the Orange Bowl, there's always going to be like an eight. And, remember last year or not last year, a few years ago it was Florida versus an eight and four Virginia team in the Orange Bowl. So, yeah, they'll, it, last year Wake Forest was actually worthy and they played Rutgers because Rutgers last minute with the COVID scenario. Oh, the, one more thing about NC State. It's kind of a LOL scenario, but this idea that the NCAA hates NC State because of that bowl game being canceled mm-hmm. and that their baseball team like didn't get in that large bid in their college baseball tournament. So some people think NC State has an extra axe to grind because the NCAA hates the NC State Wolfpack. So we'll see if that actually means anything. <laughs> I tell you what, I was really, we really lost out seeing, not seeing that, that bowl game though. It would have been a really fun game. UCLA, NC State would have been great. It's too bad. 100%. Yeah. All right. Well, that's really, really well done, everybody. Thank you very much for your comprehensive review of the ACC, now to the Big 12. And uh, Ron, you know, even before Oklahoma and Texas move out of the conference, it's already going to look like a different conference because Lincoln Riley is no longer there. And neither is Caleb Williams for that matter. What is Oklahoma going to have left for Will Venables as he takes over? We'll start with that, and then feel free to preview the rest of the conference. Yeah, you know, um, I mean, man, I'm so torn on Oklahoma because, uh, you know, I love the Venables hire. I think he's going to do really well there. Um, I I wish that Caleb Williams would have stayed there, um, you know, because I I think I would have liked them more as a team overall. Um, you know, I just don't know. And I know Dylan Gabriel, you know, was, was decent at UCF, 
Uh, I just don't know how that's going to translate to, you know, big 12 um, level of talent, uh, you know, but <clears throat> I mean, I, I guess he was the best that they, you know, could have done uh, to replace uh, Caleb Williams. So I, I think they did as good as they could have there. Um, but they certainly have talent on the team. Um, you know, I know they lost uh, Lincoln Riley took a bunch of guys with them, but uh, you know, Venables to his credit bought in, uh, you know, a, a bunch of guys in the transfer portal that are going to be able to contribute right away. Um, so I'm on the fence with them on whether or not they can actually be, you know, like that, uh, that fourth, that third or fourth team in, in, in the playoffs this year. Um, you, you know, I see it either going one of two ways, either they, you know, they, they, they run the table in, in the big 12 and, and everything gels right for Venables, or I think it's uh, a little rocky this year and, and maybe they, uh, you know, have a repeat of last year where they lose two or three games and, uh, and, you know, don't even make the, the big 12 title game. So, uh, I, I'm torn on like <clears throat> where I see them this year. Um, because you know, I, I do think that you know the you know the turnover from Riley to Venables isn't going to be as drastic as as we think it's going to be. Um, you know, but outside of Oklahoma for the Big Twelve, I mean, obviously Texas is you know the next big name there, uh, and, and you know certainly they they bought in Quinn Ewers, uh, who was I mean supposedly you know, the next generational quarterback when he, uh, you know, he left high school early and went to Ohio state and then transferred back over to Texas. So, um, and I know Sarkeesian won't announce him as the starter. Uh, he might play, uh, uh, the other kid that they had last year, Houston card, Hudson card, whatever his name is. But I mean, I would assume that yours is going to eventually end up the starting quarterback, uh, with Texas. They have, uh, B.J. Robinson, who is the, you know, the best running back in the country, probably going to be, you know, uh, a first round pick next year in the NFL draft, <clears throat> probably a high one, too. Um, but I just don't know if they have uh, like Texas. I, I look at Texas and I see like, you know, they got a lot of flashy players like yours and uh, uh, they bought in a, a group. Was it Brew McCoy? I, I forget. But they bought in a, a wide receiver on the transfer portal. They, they bought in a lot of shiny objects, uh, which is, uh, you know, seems to be what Texas likes to do. But I don't know if they have the depth there. Uh, and, and they, you know, Texas, too, it seems to be, you know, for the past uh, decade or so, is like, you know, if they get, you know, into a tight game uh, early in the season, they just can't. Uh, hold it together and they end up blowing it in the end. And, you know, the season kind of spirals after that. So I don't think I have faith in them to uh, rise up to the level of, of a national contender. Uh, uh, Baylor last year, I mean, came out of nowhere, really. I mean, we right. really didn't have any expectations for Baylor. Uh, but Dave Miranda did a, a tremendous job. Um, I know they lost uh, some guys on, on defense, but they didn't lose that much. Uh, and, and they're, their quarterback that they started last year, Bohannon, transferred out because he lost uh, um, the quarterback battle to uh, uh, Shepin. Is that it? Yeah. Shepin, the, the kid who came in at the end of last year when uh, Bohannon got hurt. So I, I think there is, uh, con, you know, there's consistency there. Uh, they, have a, they have a bunch of guys uh, returning. 
so you figure like it was it a one-year wonder with Baylor or are they really going to like take that next level and, and compete uh, year after year? Uh, I think with the Big 12 being a little bit down, at least in my opinion, the teams are a little bit down. Uh, they have a chance to, to repeat uh, from last year and, and you know, uh, get into at least the Big 12 title game and uh, maybe go to, a, you know, a New Year's Six Bowl. But I like them this year. Uh, Oklahoma State, uh, you know, they brought in Derek Mason to be the, the defensive coordinator. Um, they have uh, – uh, what the hell is the, the kid? Uh, Spencer Sanders coming back at quarterback. I, you know <clears> – <throat> Oklahoma State is the same Oklahoma State that we've known under uh, Gundy for the past, you know, 10, 15 years. They're going to score a ton of points. They're probably going to give up a ton of points. Uh, you know, it's just, you know, what they do in those tight games, uh, whether they, they win them or lose them, there seems to be like three or four every year, and that determines how the season, um, you know, goes the rest of the way. Uh, you know, I, I think they'll be in the mix for the for the top of the conference, but – uh, you know, again, I, I don't know if I have that. I don't have, I don't know if I have any faith in any of these teams to be, you know, super good. Uh, uh, I know a lot of people are picking Kansas state to be like a, a sleeper team, um, because they have a, a really good running back deuce on a ton of starters coming back, but, uh, their quarterback is going to be Adrian Martinez who transferred over from Nebraska. And, you know, we joked around, I think like two or three years ago and said, seems like Martinez was at Nebraska forever. Well, he's still got like his six year eligibility. They're bringing him into Kansas state. I'm sorry. Adrian Martinez wasn't good at Nebraska. <laughs> and, and people are thinking like, he's going to be this uh, revelation for Kansas state. I, I just don't say it. Um, you know, he's, he's a throwback, like option quarterback. I, I don't think it's going to play well in the big 12, to be honest with you. Uh, they'll be good. They'll probably win six or seven games, but I don't think they're going to, you know, be this year's Baylor like uh, some people are, are are thinking they will they will be. And then, uh, you know, uh, you have TCU, like John mentioned before, they, they're bringing in Sonny Dykes, how that plays out. I don't know. It's a culture shock with TCU who was, you know, uh, you know, they were defense first and, and Gary Patterson and, you know, like uh, – you know, all business, no fun, and you go from that to uh, an aired out system with Sonny Dykes. It'll be interesting to see how that goes. Uh, and uh, the other team uh, I wanted to mention was Iowa State. Um, you know, they lost. You know, everybody thought last year, including myself, was going to be the year that Iowa State maybe made a run at the conference uh, championship. It didn't happen. They they kind of reverted back to being Iowa State that, that you know that we know. Um, and they lost a, a ton of talent in Brock Purdy and Brees Hall. Uh, maybe their two best players ever um, graduated. But uh, the, the quarterback that they have coming in, Hunter Deckers, uh, he's, he's been around there for a while. Uh, he was a really big recruit, actually, um, that they got. He played behind Brock Purdy. So I actually think, uh, you know, they might not lose as much of a step as people think this year. Um and I think at worst, you know, they're they're uh, easy bowl team, uh, and, and at best, you know, they they probably win eight or nine games. But uh, overall, I I don't let, love any team in this conference. I think uh, Oklahoma probably has the most talent and the best shot to like make a run at the the playoffs. I just don't think it's going to happen. Um, but uh, I'll say the uh, the Big Twelve title game I, I think is going to be Oklahoma and Baylor, and uh, I'll pick 
Oklahoma to win. All right, Ron. I mean, you you really are right about that. I mean, who do you pick in a conference like this? It just seems like it's down, as you can imagine. I mean, this seemed like an ideal scenario for Texas to step in and really make a move. But do you really see them doing that? Probably not. So, John, let's go to you, and let's get your thoughts on the Big 12 as well. Yeah, this is probably the most competitive conference from top to bottom of the Power 5 conferences. Um, I guess the Pac-12 is pretty competitive, too. But this one in particular, I mean, you could pick any of the t- those six teams that Ron mentioned to play in the Big 12 title game. Um, you know, there's so many moving pieces at Oklahoma. We already kind of talked about them with uh, Venables coming in and, you know, bringing in Levy and bringing in Dylan Gabriel as your quarterback and bringing in a number of other transfers. Um, so all that's going to have to to get pieced together. I do think Venables will improve the defense, and that's really where they struggled under Lincoln Riley. So um, I think long-term that's going to be a, a net positive. Will that happen this year? I don't know, but the hope is maybe they can kind of just maybe outscore their opponents like they have been doing. But uh, it'll be interesting to see how that all um, kind of mixed, melts in together, all these new pieces. And a lot of teams are like that for this season. But, um, yeah, you know, Texas, you know, we'll see. Same kind of thing. Like, they were all offense and no defense last year. I mean, they were giving up 50 points to Kansas by the end of the year. Like, West Virginia who didn't really have an offense. We're scoring 40 on them. So, same kind of thing. I mean, yours will see if he's the real deal. But we know Bajan Robinson is, like, one of the best running backs in the country. So, um, they're going to score a lot of points. They did lose one of their uh, projected starting receivers. Isaiah Nair was a transfer from Wyoming. He just tore his ACL, so he's out for the year. Um, but they do have a lot of talent, um, and their but just their defense really struggled last year. So again, kind of the it kind of fits the traditional Big Twelve mold of a team that can score a lot of points, but their defense is questionable. Um, you know, you move on to Oklahoma State after that. You know, Spencer Sanders returns, but I mean, really, their offense wasn't really that good last year. And he's, I don't, he's an okay quarterback. I mean, for, but for the big 12, I mean, I don't know. Um, You know, they lose six of their top eight tacklers. So their defense is really what carried them last year. So now if you have to put the pressure back on their offense, I don't know if they're going to be able to handle that. Um, They, they had a couple of just miraculous wins last year. The game against Boise is like still talked about in Boise when they're basically, yeah, exactly. They were like, we're screwed. Boise was screwed out of that win. Uh, Pretty brutal. Um, But, and they had some other, just really just lucky wins. So they'll probably, I mean, they're going to like make a bowl game and, and, you know, be in the top half of the conference, but I don't see them as more than like a, like an eight win team. Um, You know, yeah, everyone's on Kansas state and I don't know. I mean, maybe better coaching will help Mark Taylor. Uh, I'm sorry, Taylor Martinez. My goodness, that's like Nebraska from years ago. Uh, Adrian Martinez. Um, Deuce Vaughn is like one of the most electric players in the country. So they just need to keep feeding him the ball and they'll be okay. You know, do some screen passes, just get him in space because he's one of the best uh, athletes in the country. Um, they're just so well coached, though. Like they brought that guy in from North Dakota State, Kleinman, and he just continues like the, the he's like Bill Snyder light. Like they're not going to beat themselves. They're going to be fundamentally sound. And like, you know, they're going to, just uh, give it their all every Saturday. Like there's going to be no letdown games with Kansas state, even if they're not quite as talented as maybe some of the rest of these teams, but you can easily see them, you know, winning, uh, winning their games against like Texas or Oklahoma or Oklahoma state. So they're going to be right there in contention uh, for the big 12. Um, Yeah. uh, Baylor is the defending uh, conference champion. And 
yeah, definitely was a surprise last year that they won the conference. But, you know, what a difference a year makes. Like when in 2020, when Aranda took over, it was a complete disaster. But you give him a pass because it was like the whole COVID year and he's taking over a new job. And, you know, you try to get in the, the players that you want for your system. And it just, it didn't, you know, it didn't match. But last year, just a, a fantastic coaching job. They have a number of returning starters. Um, you know, they need to replace some guys on defense, but I think just the culture they've created is, is going to lead to them to be sustainable. I don't know if they're going to win like 10 or 11 games, um, but again, they're going to be in the top half of the conference. I think Shapin is better than Bohannon who transferred out. I think he saw the writing on the wall there. He goes to, I think Bohannon ended up in South Florida. I could be wrong about that. Um, you have to, you have to have a spreadsheet with all these quarterback transfer moves. It's crazy how many guys have gone in and out of, of, uh, you know, different teams, but I think Baylor will be pretty good again. Um, just because like I said, uh, the culture they have and, uh, Aranda returning and, uh, and shape in it as well. Um, yeah. Uh, Iowa state touch on them for a second, you know, so much talent lost and Campbell missed the boat because he could have taken some really good coaching jobs when he did. And he stays here at Iowa state. And now they're in for a rough year. Although maybe now when they, don't have many expectations is the time when you want to buy on them versus when everyone had them like winning the big 12 last year and they just fell flat on their face. Basically. Um, he, he has really like not impressed me as a coach. Like he's just like a very Uga Booga on the sideline, like throwing his headset and yelling at people. It's like, dude, like your team is just making horrible mistakes during the game. Like, like fix it basically. But um, yeah, they really do lose a lot, but um they're kind of like a six and six team. I think, uh, I don't think they're going to be terrible, but I don't think they can, there's just so much talent and not only Purdy and, um, Brees Hall, but Charlie Kohler's in the NFL. He was there, uh, just fantastic tight end. So just so much talent lost from them. I don't see them in the, in the top half of the, I think they're gonna be like I said, a six and six team. Um, I already touched on TCU. I mean, they have talent there. I just, I am not a fan of Sonny Dykes. I've seen him blow way too many games at SMU to make me want to buy into this team. Um, I know a lot of people do like them and like betting like futures on them to win the conference. Uh, Max Duggan returns at their starting quarterback. I mean, they have explosive players on offense. Um, they did make a good defensive coordinator hire. I did read about this. This guy that comes over from Tulsa, uh, Gillespie, I guess like he made Zayvon Collins a star at Tulsa and he's bringing this uh, same defense over to TCU. Um, so he should, that definitely should be an improvement, but I, I'm just not a fan of Dyke. So I'm not buying them. And the other teams in the conference are kind of like on the lower rung, uh, West Virginia, Texas tech. I kind of put on the same level, uh, maybe a guy on the hot seat, Neil Brown. Um, you know, he, he came over from Troy and, and they really haven't done much of anything, uh, since he's gotten there. Just a very average program. Um, JT Daniels comes in though. Georgia. Right. Right. So we'll see how that works out for six out of them. Uh, just not really much on offense, but I don't think they're going to be bad, but I don't think they're going to be good either. Same thing with Texas Tech, although uh, they brought in their new coaches, like an uh, old high school, Texas high school, like recruiter. Um, I'm sorry. He was like an associate head coach uh, recently. And then he has like deep Texas high school recruiting ties. And they have Tyler Shuck now who was at Oregon and they same kind of the same thing at Texas tech. They'll be able to score some points, but the question is the defense. Um, again, I think they're going to be like a six and six kind of team. Uh, and then Kansas is your, you know, 
old Kansas bringing up the rear. But I will say this, like they were clearly heading in the right direction. Um, Lance Leipold, like he came in last year, I think it was like June 1st because they got rid of less miles, like really late in the process. And this guy comes in, he's still, they had them, he had him playing very well at the end of the year. Like I said, they beat Texas. So um, definitely on the upward trajectory for Kansas, not going to translate to a lot of wins this year, but give them a couple of years, they'll, they'll be bowling. So yeah, top to bottom, very competitive conference. If I had to pick the big 12 title game, and this is really tough. Um, mm-hmm. I would, I would agree with Ron. I would say Oklahoma and Baylor. I don't know who would win that game, but I think those are the two teams. I trust Baylor just because of, of what they did from last year and just the system they have. And I think Oklahoma is, is too talented not to, not to hit that game. So I'll say Baylor, Oklahoma as well. I love that a lot. I think Ron, your guys' point about Bohannon is great. It's like he was definitely holding him back. I think they're going to be in a better place without him. So, um, I'll swiftly give you my prediction for that conference. I also think Baylor's going to win over Oklahoma State, which might be a bit of a reach. I, maybe that's maybe I had that wrong, but um, Oklahoma State was interesting last year. They're def- they're a defensive team now, which is weird. Um, but let's go to Andy. Let's get your thoughts on the Big Twelve as well. Yeah, <clears throat> I took notes. Um, yeah, the Buffalo coach Leopold at Kansas. That's that's all I wrote. I poo in Leopold next to Kansas. Um, yeah, I don't think anyone's going to be undefeated out of this conference. I think this conference as well as the PAC 12 has tremendous potential for massive cannibalization. So they might be left out of the playoff because of the cannibalization, but, uh, obviously the cream of the crop will be Oklahoma. Here's my worry with Venables. And I've said this many times, whenever you have a, high-profile offensive coordinator or defensive coordinator get that illustrious head coaching position, you always worry about what they didn't coordinate. So uh, Will Muschamp didn't know how to coach an offense when he finally got his head coaching job. Steve Spurrier, um, when he, you know, he went to the NFL, obviously he was a head coach at Florida, but he never really was hands-on with his defense. Uh, You know what I mean? So, uh, you always worry about these coordinators, like the OC getting the head coach job and their defense is shitty. And then the defense coordinator, they get their head coaching job and then they don't know how to move the ball. And that's just my one little concern with Venables, but hopefully he, uh, and I'm sure he, you know, what we say about our presidents, like they hire the people around them to make sure they're in good places. So maybe Venables has a lot of uh, offensive minds surrounding him to make sure uh, Dylan Gabriel doesn't miss a beat uh, running that sooner offense, but um, you know we'll, we'll see. You know, it's always Oklahoma, it's always Texas. My my thing with Texas year two of Sark, as uh, and Ron mentioned the Quinn Ewers scenario. He was the first NIL quarterback, but uh, they might start Houston Card against Alabama. Uh, and then the other thing that I read is that. Saban has such a soft spot for Sark that he, he might like do the vanilla offense. Whenever Alabama plays Notre Dame, kind of one of those scenarios, like once he gets to 21 points, he might just sit on the ball. So if you're gambling, gambling is your thing. Maybe take Texas getting all those points against Alabama in a, in a couple of weeks time. But uh, you know, Texas oozes talent 
and uh, they they got the best running back arguably in the in the country. And then uh, Gary Patterson actually is like I don't know what his official title is, but he's a special assistant coach or special advisor to the coaches. But uh, maybe he his brain will be able to provide some you know defensive stick-to-itiveness to that Longhorn defense because, as you guys mentioned, the Big 12 uh, defense really isn't their forte, but um, maybe Patterson will help the Longhorns out. Uh, you guys talked about Baylor already. You know, they're not going to – they're not going to, you know, kill themselves. They're not going to do a lot of, like, dodo mistakes. So I expect them to be pretty good. And, yeah, uh, echo all your thoughts on Shapin. Um, they might need to replenish some of their receivers. I know obviously their best receiver last year is uh, got drafted by the Patriots this year, but I think he might be out for the year. He hurt himself pretty bad, but uh, so we'll see what happens with, with them moving forward. Oklahoma state. I have a, uh, a very Francesa rule with them. Like whenever they have expectations, expect them to go eight and four. And then when you know nothing about them, expect them to go eight and four. So, uh, and Sanders feels like he's been there forever. So they have like pesky potential and they're getting talked about, but again, wake me up when they're not eight and four, when they have expectations, because as you guys mentioned, I think year in and year out, you know, Oak state's always going to be anywhere from eight and four and seven, five and Gundy's going to do something stupid. And then, yeah, to John's point, I think maybe this year they'll be on the short end of the stick of some of those coin flip games talking about that Boise shit still. Um, Kansas state. Yeah. Adrian Martinez as their quarterback, as you guys mentioned. And then uh, you guys remember Colin Klein, he's their offensive coordinator. So, you know, they're sticking with the brand as John mentioned, you know, Kansas state, very efficient, always going to be nitty and gritty. Uh, you know, if Kansas State and Iowa State played 50 times, it'd be 25-25, like, and that game would basically make you want to take a nap. But, uh, you know, that's that's what it is sometimes. Yeah, and about Iowa State, uh, I wrote it down, but I heard it on a preview. Uh, Matt Campbell's 18-21 and 21 against the spread in the last three years. And I think John's always mentioned about Iowa State is uh, the adage with, with Campbell is, bet them as an underdog and maybe fade them as a, as a favorite. And I bet that 18 and 21 against the spread has some, if you look at when they were favored versus when they were underdogs, there'll be some good correlation to, to John's point. And then uh, what I wrote next to WVU West Virginia, blah. And then JT Daniels, another former USC quarterback, uh, Georgia quarterback as well. And so, yeah, when West Virginia and Pitt play uh, backyard brawl, it'll will be two former USC quarterbacks uh, going back and forth there. Um, yeah, West Virginia, you know, Mark Boulder isn't walking through that door. And then, yeah, TCU with Sonny Dykes. I'm with John. Uh, that not, that bowl game against Florida Atlantic three-year goal still pisses me off. Uh, they didn't – their bowl game got canceled last year because of COVID. I, so, Dykes – I don't think Dykes would have coached that team anyway because he was already out the door. Uh and, and taking this TCU job. And uh, as John mentioned, still no defense, but yeah, they did hire that Tulsa DC. And then we'll see what Max Duggan can do. I feel like he's been there forever. Um, so yeah, that's basically your 
Big 12 rundown. Um, I'll be chalky and, you know, I say, give me Texas. Give me Texas to come ah. out of there. But like I said, the, I think there might be so much cannibalization. I think that conference might be left out of a playoff. Yeah, I'd be surprised they made a playoff too. So uh, very well said, Andy. Thanks for your comprehensive rundown. Let's move on. Move on to the Pac-12, which again we talked about it in, a, in an earlier show in the summer. How much longer is the Pac-12 going to be a Power Five conference? Probably a year and a half, maybe. So, uh, we'll start with Ron. What do you think of the Pac-12? Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, talk about a, a, a you know a conference on its uh, deathbed. I mean. Uh, you know, I've heard that Oregon uh, reached out to the Big Ten to see if, mm-hmm. if they're going to, you know, uh, possibly go there. I mean, if you lose Oregon and, uh, you know, whoever else the Big Ten takes, I mean, who are you replacing them, those teams with? You know, I, I'm sorry, but, you know, a Fresno State, a, a, a Boise State, a BYU, I think BYU is already committed to the Big 12, right? So, like, a Fresno State, you know. A Boise State isn't moving the needle in the, right. the Pac-12. But, I mean, I just yeah. don't. I don't see how they can survive. Um, so it'll be interesting to see. Uh, but as far as this year, I mean, we still have USC and UCLA, right? Uh, you know, uh, but I, you know, I, it, I know USC is the headliner, and, and I think they'll be. Well, I know they'll be better than they were under Clay Helton, and uh, you'll they'll certainly be. Um, Fun to watch. I mean, they'll have Caleb Williams, uh, Jordan Addison. Uh, he, you know, Riley certainly bought the talent level up a notch. Uh, the, you know, the problem with USC, and I think it's been the problem with them, you know, for a few years now, uh, back to when they, you know, uh, the whole Reggie Bush thing, and they got hit with the, the scholarship uh, limitations. I just don't know if the depth is there for USC. Um, you know, so – you know, one or two injuries, and you know, there's always injuries in football and uh, you're going to lose some of your starters, at least, you know, part of the season. I just don't know if they have enough um, depth there to make up for any type of uh, injury that's going to hit the team. So uh, I, I think they'll be good. They'll, they'll certainly be more fun to watch than they have been. I, I don't think they're going to win the conference. Um, uh, Utah. Uh, I, I think should be considered the, the conference favorite. I mean, we saw them make a run last year. Uh, they have a ton of guys coming back. They have Cameron Rising, who, uh, you know, played really well for them at the end of last season, coming back at quarterback. Uh, you know, they, they do – Whittingham does what he, you know, what he always does. He always is good running backs. He has a decent defense. Uh, and they do enough to, to, to win a bunch of games and, uh, you know – I, I know they opened the season at Florida and that's, you know, probably the, uh, you know, their, their biggest challenge, but I mean, Florida, I, I hate to sound like this, but Florida is not, you know, Florida. Uh, so I, I don't know what the spread is in that game, but, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't be shocked if Utah went in there and won that outright. Uh, you know, I, I'm not, I'm not even sure if they're favored, but, you know, it wouldn't shock me if they were. Um, and, and, you know, you look at, the, the rest of the schedule outside of that, it's, it's all pretty winnable games. So I like Utah to, uh, you know, be at the top of the conference. Uh, you know, I, I don't know if you know, there's obviously an outside shot. They could make the playoffs. Everything has to break right. But, uh, 
I can see them losing like a game or two uh, throughout the season, but I do think they have, uh, you know, their, their team put together better than the rest of the conference. Um, Oregon, it remains to be seen, uh, you know, how Dan Lanning is as a coach. I mean, he's a young guy. We, we really have no idea what he's going to do, uh, you know, coaching wise. I don't like the one thing I don't like about Oregon um, you know, they, they had that kid Thompson, uh, the quarterback who was a five-star quarterback, um, you know, uh, two years ago, I think they didn't play him, uh, to the detriment of the team. In my opinion, they, they played Anthony Brown over him, uh, it, it kind of, you know, from things you read, maybe ruined his development, his, his confidence a little bit. Uh, I, I thought this was a perfect spot for them to, to play that kid and, and ride it out and see how far he could take them. And they bring in Bo friggin' Knicks uh, to be the starting quarterback there. Uh, you know, I know he's a SEC guy and he's, he's going with the SEC coach, but uh, no, thank you. I just, to, in, in my opinion, maybe I'm biased, but I, I just, you know, that to me took them out of the consideration for like being you know, a, a conference winner or playoff contending team. Bo Nix is, you know, what Bo Nix is, he's, he's a decent, decent um, college quarterback, but he's not somebody to carry a program. Uh, you know, so uh, to me, that took Oregon down a couple notches. I would rather have somebody with more potential and, and ride it out with them, uh, especially in a, in a conference as wide open as the Pac-12. Like John mentioned before, top to bottom, you know, it, nothing really separates these teams greatly. So, uh, you know, that, that to me, I, I think is going to hinder them a little bit. Um, uh, who else is it? UCLA? I, I, I think will be really decent this year. Pretty good. Uh, yeah. you know, they have, uh, 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 What's, what's that kid's name? Robinson Thompson coming ETR, back at quarterback. Seems ETR, like, yeah. super, super senior. Yep. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's like on his sixth year. Uh, with Brian Kelly, uh, he's not bad. He's not terrible. Uh, you know, I, I think they'll be, you know, up there in terms of uh, conference play. Um, I just, I, I don't think they're at the level of a conference champion, but they'll be in the mix uh, to maybe get that that second uh, spot there. Um, Washington State, I like Washington State a lot. They're my, you know, when we talk about sleeper teams, uh, you know, throughout, and there's really no sleeper teams. I mean, I, unless you can't, like Baylor last year came out of nowhere, but uh, maybe I'm wrong on this, but I like what Washington State is doing. Uh, you know, they, they made the, the coaching change last year. Rolovich is, is, is a mongo. He's a moron. You know, uh, they, they went away from him. But the best thing they did is is they they reached out. They, they bought in the, the coach from uh, Incarnate Word. <laughs> Not uh, exactly a powerhouse that, uh, you know, some of these other schools pull from, but they they got the coach to be their offensive coordinator, and they bought in um, uh, the quarterback Cameron Ward from Incarnate Word, who threw, like, you know, 5,000 yards last year, like 46 touchdowns. I mean, to me, that's like old school, uh, you know, Pac-12, Pac-10 football. You know, just bring in uh, a, a kid and let them throw the shit out of the ball and, you know, win games, you know, 55-45 and, and put up a show. So I, I think Washington State is going to be, you know, uh, at least a play, uh, a bowl team this year. Uh, and, and to me that's uh, – and especially in the, in the Pac-12 where there's so much parity, I think they could uh, you make some noise there. And, and 
believe it or not, Oregon State, I think, is going to be good this year, too. Um, they got a ton of, of, of starters coming back. You know, they were 7-5 and five last year. So, I mean, it's not a stretch to say that they're, they're going to be decent this year. But, uh, you know, that Jonathan, Jonathan Smith, who I admittedly had, you know, no idea really who he was when he got hired, um, really seemed to – has seemed to change the culture there almost uh, – I, I hate to, to compare him, but almost like a Matt Campbell – you know, Matt Campbell, you know, and true, like he loses the big games and he's not uh, God's gift to the coaching world. But he took Iowa State from being, uh, you know, a, a Rutgers level um, team in the Big 12 and made them into, a, you know, a, a winning uh, program. So I think Jonathan Smith is doing the same at Oregon State. So I, I think they're going to go back to a bowl again this year. Uh, and it'll be interesting to see what happens with Washington and uh, and Michael Penix, like uh, Andy was talking about before. Um, you know, certainly, uh, I like the DeBoer hire. Uh, you know, Jimmy Lake was a god. He was one of the – you watched one of their games last year. I mean, he was one of the biggest Broncos that you will ever find. I mean, it just looked like he had rocks for brains. But, uh, you know, good for them. Um, you know, going to DeBoer, who – uh, you know, it was a little bit off the radar, but, you know, certainly makes them more watchable, more exciting. And, uh, and, and Penix, you know, in, in the 2019 season, I mean, that kid was all world in college football. Uh, he, he has some bad injury history, which is why he transferred out of Indiana, but certainly a, a good spot to bounce back, uh, you know, for him. And, uh, you know, so I, overall the theme, I think, with the Pac-12 is there's a lot of parity. I think Utah is, is kind of at the top of that heap. Uh, USC, maybe give them another year. Um, you know, they got to get, like, the, the depth down pat and, and recruit a little bit more. Um, you know, but I'll say Utah, and uh, it'll be Utah over uh, – I don't I don't trust Oregon coming out of the north. I'll say – No, more, di- no say, more divisions now. Oh, it's not. Okay. I forgot so about that. That's interesting. Teams. Yep. All right, all right. So, yeah, you're right. I remember when they changed yeah. that. Uh, okay, so I'll, I'll say Utah over uh, USC in okay. the uh, title game. Well, now that I know that, <laughs> I feel like that, I feel very similar. I think that um, I'm down with that idea, Ron. That's pretty good. Um, well, so let's go to John. Let's get your thoughts on the Pac-12. Yeah, very competitive conference. Um, going to be some good Pac-12 after dark this year, for sure. Probably one of the last years we can enjoy this, you know, in, in reality. I would think in terms of realignment, like the first school they're going to call is San Diego State. But really, like, adding San Diego State to the Pac-12, it, okay, like, you're still going to recruit Southern California, but it's not going to, like, move the needle like, nah. on a national <laughs> level. So you're right. Like, the, the Pac-12 is, is pretty much going to be dead once these two schools leave and then – Maybe Oregon and Washington will go. I, I don't know. It, it It's kind of – it's really sad, honestly, what's happened with this whole realignment, to be honest. I know it's going to end up with, like, four super conferences. But, anyway, I digress. Um, as for this year, like, yeah, you got to start with Utah. Um, pretty much returning their entire offense from last year. Cam Rising, five of their top receivers. Tavion Thomas, he was just electric. I mean, they should have won that bowl game. That still annoys me how they let Ohio State just, like, come back and win that game. But – um, in any event, uh, you know they're going to be well coached with Whittingham. The defense is going to be fine. I think it's their conference to win or lose, to be honest with you. Um, their schedule is kind of tough. They do play at UCLA, at Oregon. 
Uh, and but they get USC at home. They, uh, you know, even if they lose that game, they can still win the conference. And I don't think we we think any of the, these teams are gonna uh, maybe make the make the playoff. But that that, that game anyway is just for for you know if they even had a chance, they would need to win it. But um, I think they're the team to beat. Um, and then like, yeah, USC after that, with all these transfers, we've talked about it, Caleb Williams and Addison and Travis Dye comes in from Oregon. Um, just, you know, like, like a lot of these teams that are basically starting brand new, just trying to get the mix of the transfers and, and just getting off on the right foot. So, but they're going to be really talented. Uh, but I, I, I think uh, maybe it's going to take them another year. They could still make the title game. Sure. Um, with with some of these teams, but their their defense is going to need to be better. I mean, it really struggled last year, and as we've seen at Oklahoma, I mean, Riley's forte is not exactly on the defensive side of the ball. Now, Oregon, we did mention Lanning coming in, and yeah, Bo Nix. <laughs> you get good Bo or you get bad Bo. It depends on what what week shows up with, with, with Bo. But um, you know, we'll see what Lanning can do. I mean, you have to replace uh, Kayvon Thibodeau. That's a big loss on your defense, um, but. You know, this guy should be able to coach defense. We'll see. I mean, they have five starters returning on the offensive line. They did win the schedule lottery, though, in the Pac-12 because they don't play USC. Um, they don't play UCLA, and they get Utah at home. So just based on that alone, um, even if they lost the Utah game, they could they could probably uh, still make it to the, to the championship game. Um, so they definitely have that in their favor. Um, those are your top three teams, I think, for sure. After that, you know, Washington, I think, would be your next level. Uh, we, you know, we mentioned Penix coming in with DeBoer. I think they're going to be uh, much improved over last year. And, um, you know, they don't have any returning players, but I just think overall, just the program in general is going to be in better hands. And I think uh, they're going to have a good season. Uh, I agree with Ron with Washington State, definitely a sleeper team. Uh, they're going like the the Bailey Zappi in Western Kentucky model, like bringing in the, the transfer QB and his offensive coordinator to, um, you know, try to win the conference. Well, it worked at conference USA. We'll see if it works in the PAC 12. Um, you know, Dickert did a nice job after, after uh, Rolovich was dismissed. So we'll see if they can keep it going this year. You do worry about their off their lines a little bit. That bowl game against central Michigan, they were just dominated in the trenches uh, on the offensive uh, line. So, um, you know, if they can't, they can't block their they're, they're passing game. Where is it going to, this isn't going to work out, but I think Ward is a pretty mobile quarterback from what I've seen. So maybe he can kind of make things work with his legs anyway. Um, yeah. Oregon state, you know, they're kind of going to be the same like seven win team, which is really good for them. I mean, they were just uh, the dregs of the conference for a number of years, um, you know, before Smith got here. So, uh, you know, chance Nolan returns. Um, yeah, I think he missed injury last year, uh, but you know, pretty solid I, they really struggled away from home but it just shows you kind of like they're um you know it was a huge split i don't think they won a single road game last year so we'll keep an eye on that um you know the two arizona schools yeah we already talked about arizona state and how Herm Edwards. this this could be it for him but again another team like you have no idea what to expect from this team they probably lost like almost 20 players but they brought in probably almost 20 players you go from losing Jaden Daniels and then they bring in Emory Jones and from Florida. I mean, is it an upgrade? I don't know. Uh, we'll find out, but there's just a, a, a team. You, you have no idea what's going to, what's going to happen with them. My guess would be they could probably cobble together enough wins to make a bowl game, but who knows? 
Um, Arizona has, they actually had an in-conference transfer from Washington State, Jaden Delora. He was pretty good. So I think they're going to be improved, but I don't know how much improved. I don't know if this guy, Jed Fish, I don't know if he's the right, kind of the right guy going forward for them, but uh, we'll see about that. Uh, the two Bay Area teams, really not much to say. We talked about Stanford. It's going to be a mess. I will say their quarterback, Tanner McKee, he's like, I think he's an NFL prospect, but they can't run the ball. They couldn't run the ball last year. So all it's going to be is just kind of the, the chuck and hope offense is what you've kind of seen from Stanford over uh, recent years. And you're going to kind of see that again. Um, and then Cal is just very, very not script uh, with Wilcox. Uh, they do get a transfer from Purdue. Jack Plummer is coming in to play quarterback. But I, again, like I, I mean, I, I believe it was Ron who made the point. Maybe it was Andy. I apologize. I've been going on for a while now. But like teams that uh, like a defensive coordinator who's been coached defense their entire career, and like now they take a head coaching job and the offense, they just can't get it going. And that's what happens. That's what's happened with Cal, with uh, Wilcox. Their offense is just dreadful every year. We'll see if this guy Plummer can can do it for them, but I don't know. We'll, we'll see. Uh, my guess is going to be no. Oh, yeah, UCLA with uh, DTR and Charbonnet, and their offense is going to be pretty good. I think they're a step below the top few teams uh, in the conference, but they're going to have another solid season, in my opinion. So uh, if I had to pick the, the, the conference title game, I'm going to go Utah and then Oregon just because of the schedule that I, that I mentioned. So those would be my two picks, and um, I think Utah is going to win the conference again this year. And if they can win that Florida game, uh, I think they can maybe sweep the rest of the schedule. We'll see. But I think Utah is definitely a favorite for action. And I'll tell you what, I echo your points about USC very much, guy, fellas. Like, I, I, I had to temper my own expectations when I started reading about their season. I'm like, you know what? Lincoln Riley is great. Caleb Williams is going to be great, but it's like it's just too early. It's just like you can't expect more than eight wins this year. It's just not realistic. So, look, I'm not going to be looking for that either. So these predictions are very solid. USC will have a good year. They'll be eight and what? They'll probably be eight and four, and I think that'd be four eight and five, and that that'll be a solid year for them. And same thing with UCLA. I, I love where they're at. I gotta say, I, I think everybody wanted Chip Kelly gone. Just goes to show you that maybe. All of us are getting impatient because I was in there. I was like, yeah, he stinks. You know what? I'm pretty honest with you, I think he's doing all right. And uh, same with DTR. He's growing on me. I think he's pretty solid. So uh, I'm with it. Andy, let's go to you for your thoughts in the Pac-12. Yeah. Um, so first, yeah, we'll address USC. I think their brand and perception and reputation, they're just no value you know, I think they're minus 170 to win the conference, and it's just – or maybe plus 170, whatever it is. It's it's not proper odds because it's USC. And as you guys mentioned, like, Lincoln Riley can wave the magic wand, but they were – I think they were like four and eight last year. So um, and Caleb yeah. Williams could go up and down the field. But I don't know. I think it's going to take at least a season or two for them to, you know, get back to the king of the – the conference um you know nick saban his first year at alabama i think they were six and six or seven and five you know he, you're not gonna turn turn poo into whatever eggs benedict over and overnight or whatever but uh <laughs> but anyway yeah usc i mean it's a great hire they need it dave i mean how many years now have you been screaming about whether clay helton lynn swan whoever it is like so maybe they'll get some stability you know, some long, much-needed stability injected into that program. It's funny because we, 
you know, the quarterbacks, you know, Jackson Dart at Ole Miss. I mean, they, they always get, like, great, you know, Gatorade players of the year to play quarterback for them. They just they never stick. So we'll see. You know, the future is bright for USC. Um, but the now teams, definitely Utah, um, you know, Whittingham, except for that awful bowl game against Northwestern four years ago, uh, he can squeeze blood out of a stone. You know, the cliches, they don't really beat themselves except for that bowl game against Northwestern. And then, yeah, Brewer last year was a big baby. Uh, and then, obviously, for whatever reason, Cameron Risen, like the whole team just kind of galvanized in his presence. And, uh, you know, they had a very good year last year. They killed Oregon in the, in the championship game. Well, I think that was in Vegas. Uh, good idea moving that game to Vegas. And then that Rose Bowl, as John mentioned, that was a great bowl game, you know. Maybe too much offense for the purists or whatever, but, yeah, they should have won that game outright. I think Rising might have missed a series or something. He got hurt, and it was one of those games that was like, whoever has the ball last is going to win. And then, you know, I, they went a couple of possessions without scoring. Anyway, yeah, that's a great team this year. Um, kudos for them scheduling Florida whenever they did. Um and I think right now, like you, Utah's like a slight favorite. But yeah, that's a, I mean, that's a big game for both those schools. I think Florida opens up with Utah and Kentucky, and then yeah, Utah opens up with Florida. So that first game is going to go a long way to both their seasons. You know, I don't think a loss to Florida will kill Utah per se. I think this yeah conference is going to have a lot of cannibal potential. So you know, again, the Pac-12 might be left out of a of a playoff. But I mean, Utah right now being ranked like i think top 10 i think like seven or eight like it's there for them to to do some damage and and get to that that playoff you know because they've been like they've gotten the dark horse label for a couple couple seasons in the last five or six years so you know now if not now when for kyle whittingham so good luck to utah um oregon i'll be a little contrarian like i i've mocked and balked bo nicks for a few years now but i I'll buy into this. I'll I'll buy in. John mentioned that schedule. I wrote they have cream puffs for the road. Like as John mentioned, they no no USC and they get Utah at home. But their road game is at Washington State could be tough. But at Arizona, at Cal, at Arizona, and at Oregon State is is manageable. Um, yeah, Lanning, you know, who knows what he'll be able to do in the Northwest because uh, I think he's. You know, he's Uga Booga Southeast defense. So, I mean, you can't really get much further from that than the Northwest. Um, but to Ron's point, yeah, with like the quarterback situation, I, even when they had Herbert, the, the OC coach back, he, I think he's the coach at Vegas now, like Herbert wasn't allowed to throw on first and second down. And you're like, look what he does now in the NFL. So they just may not know how to like get the most out of the quarterback. So it'd be ironic that with Bo Nix, who we know his ceiling, they just like maybe get the most out of a very limited quarterback. So we'll see what happens with Oregon. You know, uh, they're good, not great. Um, you know, and as, as you guys mentioned, as I mentioned earlier, like with Washington, Kalen DeBoer, there'll be a lot more fun to watch that whole, that Jimmy Lake was a complete dumpster fire of a hire. I uh, wrote it down. I they had ten touchdowns thrown to fifteen interceptions last year. Like their quarterback play was absolutely ridiculous. And now with uh, Penix, 
He has familiarity with DeBoer. I mean, they can't get any worse throwing the ball. So any improvement will look like, you know, Lang, will look Lou to Lang for them. And uh, I think they'll be formidable. I don't think they're going to compete for a conference title appearance, but, you know, they should be able to hold their own and should make for an interesting Apple Cup this year because, uh, as those guys mentioned, the, the, the tandem transfer situation of the offensive coordinator and uh, the quarterback from Incarnate Wood will be, um, you know, must watch for the the degenerates in the Pac-12 after dark uh, aficionados. Um, I guess, like, if it wasn't Washington State, there were, like, SEC schools that were going to try to get Cam Ward. So um, whether or not this top billing perception is, is worthy, like, we'll find out over time. But, yeah, and as, as John mentioned, like, uh, the guy that took over for Rolovic last year, like, seemed to be a pretty good pretty good guy so uh whatever his name is but uh should be okay for washington state you know they don't have huge expectations anyway but you know they sh- they should get to a bowl game uh arizona state yeah who knows what emory jones is going to do who knows what herm edwards is going to do they've been to a bowl game five years in a row which is interesting but i think asu opens up with oklahoma state week one or week two that'll be an early like bellwether game for both those programs and then um, Oregon State, yeah, bingo, bingo, Chance Nolan. He had a good year last year. So Jonathan Smith and Justin Wilcox, like we talk about Taylor, two coaches. They were both on uh, Coach Peterson's staff back in the day at Washington. And Wilcox was the defensive coordinator, and Jonathan Smith was the offensive coordinator. And obviously one head coach is doing much better than the other one. And, yeah, so you know, Oregon State's a – great position for a coach that just wants to go nine and three eight and four every year like that guy uh, mike riley he could have been going seven and five to nine and three for for life over there and no <laughs> one would have bothered him in yeah. in beaverton but uh so maybe that's got that'll be jonathan smith's plan so yeah we'll see what happens with oregon state um nothing no thoughts on stanford except for that nfl quarterback and uh the thought on cal getting the plumber guy he was he seemed like a stiff at Purdue, and I don't see him being anything more than a stiff at Cal. And, yeah, they they just – those games are just boring. A, a Cal game, there's the wide receivers don't get open. The quarterbacks don't throw it well. It's just it's just boring. If Cal and Stanford played every year, ugh, I mean, they do. But <laughs> if they played every week, that would just be some horrendous, <laughs> horrendous football. And, yeah, Arizona – uh, with the Washington State transfer, I wrote this one down too. They were minus 17 in turnovers last year. So, like, you can't get much worse than that. In 12 games, you're minus 17. So, that's, you know, three turnovers to one and a half. It's just bad. But uh, the thing with Delora, he's very feast or famine. He was very talented at Washington State, but he made a ton of mistakes. But their quarterback play last year at Arizona was pretty horrendous too. So, I mean, they should have some marginal improvement over there. It's just, you know, how as bad as they were last year, like three and nine would be an improvement for them. And then, yeah, no, no thoughts on Colorado, except it's a matter of uh, when, not if they, they get rid of the Carl Dullard guy. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, Utah, I mean, not, not to sound chalky, give me a rematch of Utah-Oregon Pac-12 title game. All right, sounds good. Andy, this comment from Kevin on the Cape – 
Pooh eggs Benedict two hours in and you get the best line of the show. Good stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Good times. All right, so we're running out, of, running out of time. So let's go ahead and consolidate Big Ten and SEC. I mean, not a lot of surprises here. But I do. I will say both these conferences seem pretty loaded, specifically the SEC. I'm really intrigued by some of the stories here. Like, what could Arkansas and Florida do this year? And I gotta say, Ron, you know, this might be the first time the, term, the phrase watch out for Tennessee is actually a real thing. I actually <laughs> think we should watch out for Tennessee this year. So, Big Ten, I mean, you know what's going on over there. You know, Oregon, Ohio State, and Michigan. And, uh, Ron, I'll give it to you for both of the conference previews. What, 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 let's see what you think about both. Yeah, uh, so I'll start with the Big Ten, and uh, you know I'll, I'll make it short and try to make it short and sweet. Uh, you know, Ohio State had outside of uh, the SEC schools has the most talent in the country. I mean, they lose, um, you know, two first round wide receivers um, and replace them with two kids who are probably going to be first round wide receivers. I mean, they just, you know, they're turning out talent after talent after talent. Um, they bring back. You know, a bunch of key pieces, obviously, uh, C.J. Stroud, the quarterback. Um, you know, Ohio State, to me, is one of the, you know, two or three best teams in the country on paper. Again, it's on paper, but, you know, they should win the conference. Um, I do think, and I think there's a real possibility here that it's going to be Ohio State and Michigan, um, you know, their game at the end of the season. Both are going to be undefeated going into that. Uh, you know, with a, a shot at the uh, Big Ten championship and, and college football playoffs on the line. Um, and, and I say that about Michigan, and I know Michigan lost a ton of talent, especially on defense. But last year, and we know last year uh, what the formula was for them. It was run the football uh, and play great defense. And they did that well enough to uh, and survive the loss to Michigan State um, to beat Ohio State and get to the, uh, to the playoffs. Uh, they lost a ton of talent on defense, but from everything you read, uh, they have a bunch of guys, uh, you know, on their depth chart who are going to maybe not be as good as Aiden Hutchinson and David Jabo, but, uh, they'll be good enough to fill in. Uh, so I, I don't think they're going to lose as much as we think on the defensive side of the ball. And they have Blake Corum and, uh, Donovan Edwards still at running back. Uh, they bring back all their receivers and tight ends. Uh, they got by last year with uh, McNamara quarterback. Um, the backup quarterback, J.J. McCarthy, is, you know, I, in my opinion, he's infinitely better than uh, McNamara. It remains to be seen whether uh, Harbaugh wants to just control the game or, you know, have the quarterback win it. But, uh, you know, that'll be interesting to watch. But I, I, I say, and I don't think this Michigan team is as good as it was last year. But when you look at the schedule, uh, their first four games are all at home against Colorado State, Hawaii, Connecticut, Maryland. They go on the road uh, to play Iowa and Indiana, two winnable games. Uh, they have Penn State and Michigan State at home uh, on the road to <laughs> Rutgers um, and then home to Nebraska and Illinois before they play Ohio State. So even though they might not be as good as they were last year, uh, and, and certainly talent-wise, they, they might not be on the same level. That schedule is just so soft and easy that it allows them to, uh, you know, rack up the wins and, uh, and make it to that last week of the season against Ohio State undefeated. Um, I think the other teams in the, in the conference, I'm not going to go through each one of them. I think uh, Wisconsin, 
that's that's another guy who maybe maybe we'll see on the hot seats, Paul Paul Christ. Um, because you know they've they've been supposed to you know made that that next level jump uh, for the past three or four years and haven't done it. Um, they have an all world uh, running back um, in uh, Braylon Allen, uh, but the quarterback play Graham Mertz stinks. He was supposed to be like the next great quarterback. He's garbage. Um, so, but if they get half a uh, decent play out of him. Wisconsin uh, should win their division and be, you know, somewhat decent. Uh, I, I don't think – I think Penn State bringing back uh, Sean Clifford is a detriment to the team. Uh, I, I, don't, I don't think he's, he's a, a great quarterback. I think he uh, doesn't win games for them. I think he loses them. I think they're going to be sort of middle of the pack this year. Uh, same with Iowa. Um, you know, Ferenc – uh, just refuses to get over that uh, that that hump of uh, actually starting a, a decent quarterback. Uh, you know they they keep playing uh, Petrus out there, and I'm surprised that Ferenc, after all that uh, you know that off the field stuff with the uh, the African American athletes saying that you know he kept uh, you know racist coaches on the staff for you know damn near 20 years. I'm surprised he uh, he survived that, but I think another you know, seven win season and, and he might not survive that, uh, you know, moving forward, who knows, but, uh, Iowa will be Iowa this year. They'll win, you know, seven, eight games. And like they always do. Um, I, I don't know what to make in Nebraska. Uh, you know, it wouldn't surprise me. Like Andy said that, uh, Scott Frost is just there keeping the seat warm, um, for, for Mark Whipple, uh, you know, Minnesota, they won nine games last year. Uh, you know, can they do it again? Uh, they, they probably can. Uh, they return a ton of their talent. Uh, they get uh, Mo Abraham back. They're, they're running back who they lost on the, you know, the first uh, game last year. So uh, they'll be right up there at the top. But uh, the end of the, at the end of the day, I think it's going to be Ohio State uh, over, I guess, Wisconsin in the Big Ten uh, title game. But I, I do think Michigan uh, will be right on the cusp of uh, making the playoffs again. And as far as the SEC goes, I mean, you got three teams who I think uh, arguably have the best talent in the country in Alabama, Georgia, and Texas A&M. All three teams can make the playoffs. Um, you know, I, I, I tend to believe that Alabama is the best team in the country. Uh, I don't know if there's any question about it. I mean, all the talent uh, that they have. Nick Saban is here for – he just re-upped for another eight years, I mean – Geez, uh, you know, it, it seems like they have draftable talent at every single position on their team. Uh, they have the best player in the country, uh, and he's not an offense player. He's Will Anderson, who, uh, you know, it, talk about a guy who was a little bit under the radar last year, and he had 17 and a half sacks. I mean, that's, that's crazy. That's unheard of. He should have been in the top three of the Heisman last year. If he repeats that this year, I think you're going to see him uh, make a legit uh, run at the Heisman Trophy. Uh, but they, to me, they have the best team top to bottom. Uh, Georgia is probably up there right behind them. Uh, you know, credit to uh, to Kirby Smart and what he's done with that with that team. I mean, they're just they're turning turning out as much down as Alabama is. Uh, and you look at their schedule. I mean, outside of Oregon. Uh, they go to their, their road games are South Carolina, Missouri, uh, Mississippi State, and Kentucky. 
I mean, you know, for a team that has the, the, the amount of talent as Georgia, that's, you know, it's the same as scheduling cupcakes there. So, um, and, and they, they're, they're non-conference games. Will, obviously they open up against Oregon, but they play uh, besides that Kent state and Sanford, not Stanford, Sanford. So, yeah. <laughs> either way, man. Uh, like they both would have been, but Sanford is even worse. Yeah, either, either way, but you know, they should <laughs> run over those teams yeah. and you know, the the other wild card there is Texas A&M and if uh if they could finally put it all together and uh and, and make a run. Uh, I know they beat Alabama last year, so uh, I wouldn't put money on that happening twice uh two years in a row. So, I think that keeps them out kind of uh of the college football playoff, but Man, they got a, a, a ton of talent. They were kind of – they were hindered last year by the quarterback play and the injuries. They bought in Max Johnson from uh, LSU. Uh, so, you know, he should make a difference there. Uh, they also bought in one of the best recruiting classes of all time. Um, you know, God knows how they did that. But, uh, you know, that they're, they're going to be – they might be a year away from overtaking, like, Georgia as the second team in that conference. Um, but I, I don't think it happens this year, but they're right up there. And the rest of the SEC to me is teams that, you know, I, just like I, I, you know, what we said before, it's teams that could win anywhere between like five and eight games. And I'm talking about like Ole Miss, uh, Tennessee, like, like you said, Dave, I, I think they're going to be good. They're not going to be great. Mm-hmm. Um, Arkansas, uh, Kentucky, um, Florida, uh, even Mississippi State with, with Leach. Um, I think they're all teams, but the SEC is so good top to bottom that, uh, you know, Andy made the comment before that, the you know, teams cannibalize and conferences cannibalize themselves. And I think that's what the SEC does. Um, but I still think like the top three teams are Alabama, Georgia, and A&M. I think Alabama and Georgia are a little bit better than A&M this year. Uh, give me Alabama over uh, Georgia in the uh, SEC title game, um, and I think they'll both they'll both make the playoffs. And I think it won't even be a question. You know, they I can see them being the one and two seeds. Uh, you know, one and three at worst. I think uh, you know, top to bottom, they're the two most talented teams in the country. Fantastic analysis, Ron. I couldn't agree more. The one thing I'm looking at with Texas A&M is: Are they going to be a ten win team? And the projections from Athlon Sports say they are. I don't know about that myself, but you could definitely see it. So it's going to be an interesting study all the way around. So let's go to John. Big Ten and SEC, what do you think of both? Yeah, this is when I was mentioning before that there's not much drama at the end of the season because the two teams that are favored to win these conferences pretty heavily um, are going to be there, uh, Ohio State and Alabama, obviously. Um, so, yeah, we'll start in the Big Ten. I mean, nothing more really needs to be said about Ohio State. Just just loaded with talent. They lose guys, and they just, you know, Phil Wren, you know, uh, Jackson Smith, Najibba, and Marvin Harrison are, like Ron said, just like they lose guys and they replace them. It just it just is a well-oiled machine when you have C.J. Stroud and Trevon Henderson. And, I mean, no one's going to stop that offense, and no one's going to, you know, it's going to be – they're going to run through the Big Ten, basically, um, until the Michigan game. And I agree. Like, Michigan's their biggest challenger. Um, I mean, what a, what a change in a year from where we thought it, Harbaugh could be fired. And they had this tremendous season. You know, McNamara and McCarthy returned. Corn returns. Um, they do need to replace their defensive coordinator who left. But 
uh, I, I feel like uh, they brought in another guy that I think might have been with the Ravens, or I think they promoted from more than someone that is going to they're going to keep continuity basically on the defense. So, um, you know, that's not going to be a problem. Um, so they're going to be the Ohio State's biggest challenger. And I agree. It's going to come down to that game uh, for the, for the East division. I mean, the other teams in the division are just kind of your middling teams. We could go into them more, but there's really not much to be said. I mean, people are loving Mel Tucker, but I mean, <laughs> that game against Ohio State, I think was like 35 to nothing after one quarter. I mean, they're not even close to Ohio State. Um, they, their offense should be pretty good. Uh, Kenneth Walker went to the NFL, but they brought in Jalen Berger from Wisconsin and Jarek Broussard from Colorado. It's kind of like a one-two punch and Peyton Thorne returns. So they'll be okay, but they're, they're going to be like a eight wins, I would say, or nine wins, like, but they're not on the level of Ohio state or Michigan. And certainly not, uh, the other teams in the division, like Penn state and Maryland Rutgers, they're all going to be, I mean, Penn state will be okay. Um, but you know, Far cry from when they were like challenging from the division title, and then you know Rutgers and Maryland, forget it. Although uh, we'll see uh, uh, Tyola Tagovailoa um, from Maryland to his brother, um, they should put up a lot of points for sure. So they'll be a, they're an over team to watch. I've already circling their their game against SMU, and one of this it's either week two or week three. We're going to bet the over in that game. There's not going to be much defense uh, played in that one. Um, so as far as the West division, it's going to be your normal shit show of teams here. Just like anywhere, any range of outcomes would not surprise me. Um, you know, Nebraska is getting a lot of hype because of Whipple being brought in, as we talked about. But the amazing stat is they were like one and eight in the Big Ten last year, and they had a positive point differential. They lost nine games by nine points or less. It's just un, un, completely unheard of. At some point, you got to blame the coaching for that. So I understand like a lot of people are picking them, but there's a reason why they're losing all those close games. It's just, not, it's not a coincidence that you would lose all those games by those few points. I mean, Scott Frost has to contribute to this at some point. Like there's got to be a reason why you're losing games. So I'm not going to buy into the Nebraska hype. Their schedule is really easy and I can see why a lot of people are picking them, but I'm not going to do it. Um, you know, Wisconsin's the easy pick, but Mertz is terrible. Like Ron said, it just, they just try to win games like 17 to 13 with their, their uh, run game. And Allen is Braylon Allen is great in their defense, but they they're losing a lot of starters from defense uh, on defense from last year. So they're not going to be as good. Um, you know, and the other team in the division, uh, you know, Purdue is, they're kind of your typical Purdue team. Um, they lose uh, uh, a round. I think it was a, their first or second round pick on defensive end, Carl Loftus, which is like, he just, you know, really disrupted player and David Bell as well who's like the offensive player of the year in the Big Ten um, so I think they have too many losses my sleeper pick for this division is Minnesota and Ron mentioned that uh, Tanner Morgan's back Abraham's back after his ACL injury the key here is they brought in their offensive coordinator from 2020 or 19 when Morgan was like had won his career year with Rashad Bateman and all those guys and he's back to coordinate the offense and I think um to go along with their defense that was top 10 last year nationally. You probably wouldn't have known that. So they can get the offense turned around. Um, I think Minnesota is going to break through here and, and win the division, which is a crazy thing to say, but uh, I don't, really don't like the rest of the teams in this division. Um, Illinois is going with the transfer quarterback deal duo of Tommy DeVito and Arthur Sitowski, which I cannot think of a sadder transfer quarterback duo than those two oh my <laughs> god i don't know what's going on with that wow. but um that's just really sad um so yeah so uh that would be my pick for the big 10 i know we 
could talk more about the teams. I know we're short on time, but Ohio State and uh, Minnesota uh, for the Big Ten. And yeah, the SEC. I mean, it's it's going to be Georgia and Alabama again. Um, you know, we can talk about some of these other teams that are interesting. You know, we touched on Mississippi State. They have a lot of starters return, and I think this is Will Rogers' like third year in Leach's system, and that's typically like a, a good benchmark for quarterbacks that kind of, you know, you, you get the repetition of being in that system, and um, you know, there's success that comes along with that, but. I don't know if their defense – I mean, their defense was pretty good last year. I just they're, – they're, they're clearly a step below Alabama for sure. Um, the question is, can they get up to, like, second in the division over Texas A&M? I mean, A&M is really talented, but they just run such a, like, a backwards offense compared to, like, modern college football. And that's just Jimbo Fisher's style. And there's questions on, on their quarterback um, between Haynes King and Max Johnson. I don't know. I, I mean, I'm, their defense should be pretty good. I mean, they've recruited amazingly well, but I don't know if it's all going to come together for them. Um, LSU is a huge question mark because of all the new players coming in. I think uh, Kelly will get them there eventually, but this year it's going to be rough. Um, And then another quarterback transfer in this conference, all these quarterback transfers leaving uh, USC, uh, Jackson Dark going to Ole Miss. Um, You know, another team just decimated by both graduation and the transfer portal. They're, they're bringing in a ton of guys, too. So another team that you don't know what to expect. Um, and then the East, yeah, Georgia loses all their defense from last year, basically. But they've recruited so well, you figure they should be able to, um, you know, they're not going to match that production, but they should be good enough. And then Stetson Bennett, another year as the starting quarterback. A lot of people are high on Kentucky. I don't know. They're going to be solid, but I just don't see them challenging challenging Georgia this year. Um, they have some questions. And then everyone's in on Tennessee. Again, I, you know, I don't know. Hendon Hooker is a good player for sure, and they're going to put up a lot of points. But Josh Heupel, I, I don't trust him as a coach. And um, at their defense, I remember his defense as a UCF will just field the whole game. And you saw that in the bowl game against Purdue. It was just just the craziest game ever, and um, you can see what happens if their offense is struggling. Um, and then even if it's not, I mean, it, it just at least the style of play for shootouts, I, I'm not seeing it. So, um, you know, long story short here, I mean, again, we could go more into these teams, but it's going to be Alabama and Georgia in the SEC title game. Maybe you could see – people are saying maybe Kentucky or Tennessee can challenge Georgia, but until that happens – I'll believe it when I see it, basically. So, Bama and Georgia, and um, maybe both of them will get in the playoff again this year. I don't know. The way that we've kind of been talking about this, if the Pac-12 and the Big 12 kind of cannibalizes itself, then you have Ohio State, uh, Alabama, Georgia, and then your fourth team, maybe Clemson. I don't know. That, that fourth spot's kind of up for grabs. But definitely Bama and Georgia in the SEC, and then Ohio State, and then my kind of sleeper is Minnesota in the Big Division. It's a clever pick for, for the West Division. I I got to give it to you there. But like you said, like who's really going to be that much better? You know, Wisconsin, I guess. You know, maybe I don't know. Yeah, you're you're totally right. Um, so so Andy, let's uh, give it to you. The last uh, word as far as the Big Ten and the SEC. Let's see your thoughts on both these conferences. Yeah, in doing my whatever reading podcast prep for this podcast with the Big Ten, it just made me 
it justified why I hate the Big Ten. It's boring. It's plotting. It's ugly, except for Ohio State and sometimes Michigan. So, obviously, it's Ohio State in on that one side, and then on the other side, whatever they call it, Legends West, whatever it is, it's like the worst vision. It's the wor- it's the worst version of that other division in the Atlantic uh, Coast Conference. That's not the one in Clemson. So, you know, it's it's Wisconsin. It's Iowa. Maybe this. This year it's uh it's Minnesota, but yeah, yeah I, I, we're done talking about that division. I will the one thing that's disgusting about Iowa for all of us that like to watch sport, like they're gonna be on, they're gonna get all their games on TV because uh, they on the other side of the division they play Ohio State and Michigan, so there's a good chance they're gonna be in that uh, championship game. But if they beat Wisconsin, like, and if they beat Minnesota, they're they're gonna be in that division uh, championship game. And they're so boring. Petrus at quarterback. They, they're lucky on special teams. They're just boring as all can be. But um, that's, that's my Big Ten thought um, on the entire conference. Yeah. Oh, at Maryland, to, to John's point, I would sign up for a Maryland-Virginia-Yankee pinstripe bowl <laughs> um, first to 40 wins, although the weather could be kind of crappy. But, I mean – I feel like Maryland and Virginia are basically the, the same team. We're just one dimensional on, on offense, but uh, yeah, we'll see. And yeah, Penn state, Sean Clifford. Yeah. ZZZ falling asleep doing this research. But um, so yeah, that's my big 10 thorough rundown. I'll have a, yeah, a little more on the sec. So with the sec, yeah, it's obviously it's Alabama. We want Bama. Bama wants Bama this year. Call it the revenge tour with Bama. They want Texas A&M. They want, um, you know, they want Georgia again. They want everybody. Um, so the thing with Alabama is, yeah, they're legit, like, plug, plug and play, plug and play. Georgia's almost, they're plug and play. And uh, what happened with Alabama last year is, like, they lost a bunch of coordinators, and it actually it probably affected them. And obviously their past secondary was atrocious for their standards. And this year, all their coordinators from last year are, are back for the most part, and they're their defense is obviously really good. They got the potential number one draft pick with all the sacks last year. Um, and yeah, it's like, I don't think Alabama is going to like struggle the dynasty. I don't know if it ended, if it's over, like Alabama will, will be just fine. Like they know they're going to maybe have a weird game against Auburn. Like they'll take care of business against Texas. Like they're going to play Georgia in the conference championship game and we'll see them in the playoff. Like, what else is new? Um, and Bryce Young, we'll see if he can like do what he did last year. Um, and they got the, they got Gibbs. Mike Francesa might even talk about Gibbs. But they got Gibbs from Georgia Tech, as John mentioned earlier. Like plug and play, he's going to be a thousand yard rusher. And uh, and then they got another, they got a transfer from Georgia to shore up their wide receiver core. So Bam will be fine. Um, some people are saying. Uh, Arkansas will be good again. They got, you know, the Cam Newton type quarterback, KJ Jefferson, but um, accuracy remains an issue. Uh, Miss State, um, as John mentioned, Will Rogers, third year under Mike Leach system. I want to give Junkman's blog a quick prop. Um, Collegecoachingcarousel.substack.com. He wrote a article about uh, a handful of schools that have a dreadful like month 
And one of them was Mike Leach's uh, Mississippi State. So if you're going to fade Mike Leach, you might want to fade them in October because this stretch here, this stupid printer printed both sides. But so Mike Leach in October, October 1st against Texas A&M, October 8th uh, against Arkansas, October 15th at Kentucky, October 22nd at Alabama. That is a brutal four-week stretch for the Pirates. Good research on the junk man's part. Um, yeah, AM, I feel like Jimbo Fisher gets a plug and play reputation, but he's not there yet. I feel like the college station crowd, they, they expect 10 and 2 every year. And I don't think Jimbo Fisher, without Jameis Winston, is that type of coach. He's kind of a ding dong. Um, Ole Miss, they got to regroup. But uh, I think Lane, Lane Kiffin was like, doing all the things that the tra- the transfer portal enables him to do before the transfer system enables him to do it. You know what I mean? So they'll reload, and uh, and I'm looking forward to see what Jackson Dart can do for uh, in that system. Um, we'll, we'll find out. And then uh, one last – a couple more things on the East, and then we could wrap it up. Um, yeah, I wake me up when Kentucky actually beats Georgia. A lot of people – I love that. I love that. A lot that. of people are like, uh, <laughs> Kentucky uh, is getting like, watch out for Kentucky is like, watch out for Tennessee this year. And uh, <laughs> the quarterback, the quarterback's like a dual threat guy, yeah. and he eats uh, raw bananas with the peel. He's kind of a weird guy. But, you know, the Georgia game is at home this year as opposed to Athens last year. But I, I don't know. I don't think they have enough offense to, to hang with Georgia. And with Georgia, yeah, they, they reloaded. They got Bennett back. Yeah, wake me up. Alabama, Georgia, conference game. Florida, I think uh, Napier needs a couple years to get his personnel for that system. It's a great hire, but just like uh, you're not, they're not going to get ten and two right away at the swamp. And um, that's that's basically a truncated thought on the on the SEC in the Big Ten. And I love all these comments, especially the comments on the Eastern Division. That's really well put. Like I. I really like where Napier is going too, but just like with Lincoln Riley, Rome was not built. <laughs> Rome nor Troy was built in a day, so it's it's gonna take a couple years, you know. So I would definitely preach patience for both fan bases. Um, just a terrific job, and thank you very much for the plug for Kevin's new site too. Like that's really great, and Kevin appreciates it. He says Andy rules. So, um, Kev, yeah, the, it's coaching. Shoot, it's coaching something carousel, right? Coaching changes carousel, but. Um, whatever. Read it right, Dave. I know. I coach I, college coaching carousel. Yes. Dot substack. Dot com. Nice. Okay, let me put that in the chat so that everybody can can check that out. HTTP college coaching. Um, college coaching, college coaching carousel. Dot substack. Dot com. That's the name of the site. Check it all out, folks. And it should be a really... It's been... I mean, just from what I saw in like the preview emails that we were getting from uh, from Kevin in advance, like they look really comprehensive. So you all should definitely check out check that out. Um, and uh, for more on that, I mentioned the website's right there. Folks, this has been really fun. Fellas, I appreciate you doing all this. I appreciate you going a little extra long, too. Um, this has been a terrific, I know there are so many teams to cover a lot of juice really in some of these conferences. So, um, we'll be back at it tomorrow. 
glad to have you back. We can cover we'll cover the group of five for the for for those for, for tomorrow night, and then we'll do our predictions. Um, really, pretty, you know, you know, any I guess we could do kind of a final thoughts, but honestly, is there anything anybody wants to bring up before we go? Like, is there anything I might have missed? Because if there is, already looking forward to tomorrow night. Yeah, same. Yeah, time. I think I don't think we're I don't think we'll go as long term. Yeah, <laughs> I don't think we need to talk about every single team in like the Sun Belt. Right, 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 right. Exactly, exactly, and yeah, exactly. Definitely looking forward to tomorrow's show. Yeah, one hundred percent. All right, guys. All right, everybody. I want I want to hear Andy's notes on uh, James Madison tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> right. On your joke, but I bet a win total under six wins Ooh, on James Madison. So we should talk go. about there you them. Go. I like that. I like it, John. Good luck. I feel good about that one. All right, everybody. Well, thank you again. Have a great rest of your night for now. We'll be back tomorrow. Let's do the thing tomorrow. Thank you so much. Take it easy, everybody. Peace out. Take Bye, care, boys. All right, fellas. Oh, that was awesome. Ron, John, Andy, and Ron, and, and uh, Ron, John, and Andy back at it. It's great to have the panel back in full force, everybody. Phenomenal work by all three. If you missed any part of it, catch the VOD. It's <laughs> I'm calling it a VOD now. Well, catch the replay here on YouTube. Um, you'll you'll if you're wa- uh, uh, tomorrow, it'll the complete replay will be up here. And um, you can always catch the this program in podcast form if you're listening on the podcast. We continue. We love your continued support. Didcow.com for all the podcast replays, and uh, you can also find Didcow Football on all your available podcast players of choice. Apple Apple. Apple Podcasts and Stitcher and all the things. And Kevin says, Dave typing on air equals Francesca counting on air. Uh, it's, yeah, that was pretty that was pretty rough. Sorry, everybody. But the point is, coaching, college coaching carousel, the place to be. Thank you again, everybody, for tuning in. Uh, my name is Dave Medina. I hope you have enjoyed it tonight. As you know, you can also catch me on Twitch on The Sandwich Show where we interview um, content creators throughout the internet. Um, and it's a really fun time. We'll be our next sandwich show actually will be on Friday, where we're going to cover a charity stream. That'll be really interesting. But over here on on here over here on Ditcow, we're back tomorrow. More college coverage for you. We cover the group of five. Really, just a tremendous time. Thanks again, to everybody tonight. Thank you all very much for tuning in, everyone. Um, it just makes me feel good when I see the interest in college football, and we're gonna keep doing it for you. After these previews, remember, we're gonna have our football picks. So we'll start that throughout the season, and when we can, we'll, we'll go on. We'll, we'll cover all the games, and give you recaps, and then give you our picks for the week. So until uh, then, have a great rest of your evening, and we'll see you next time.